1: He even has the audacity to call himself the, quote-unquote, pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here.
0: Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 404. ...of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Casimir of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald. Oh, as we talk about a massive week in the world of mixed martial arts, we're going to kick it off today to talk about, you guessed it, Bellator Dublin. We were just there at the weekend. We'll have some other stuff to talk about as well, some big fights coming up next weekend. We're going to look at all of that. But before we get into all of it, let us tell you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at manscaped and you know everything that's good over at manscaped.com at this stage if you're in the u.s and canada to have the beard hedger now check out manscaped.com for the performance package 4.0 as well if you are in europe and the uk and all of that so absolutely brilliant stuff for you over there, there. as you said, that's right. They have beard products now. The leader in grooming are revolutionising the men's hygiene game once again with that beard hedger pro kit. It all starts with the beard hedger. It's a cordless trimmer. There's a rotary wheel with twenty hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of old tack. You know, a little bit of tefalads and stuff like that. No bullshit like that. All twenty different lengths, all on one guard. It's the best kit you'll ever get. Absolutely brilliant. You can sculpt yourself. Be absolutely precise in the beard. It'll be brilliant. You can save 20% as well, though. 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using our promo code SEVEREMMA. So that Beard Hedger Pro Kit is ultimate tool to get the perfect look. 7 million men worldwide already use Manscaped their balls. It's time to trust them With your hair up top too With this new kit Take a grooming uh, routine To the next level It all starts With the beard header The electric beard hair trimmer is a premium beard sculpting machine as i mentioned one guard leaving little mess it's also waterproof you can shave in the shower to avoid all the hair in the sink or the bathroom floor plus the titanium coated t-bed is tough on hair but smooth on your face it's absolutely the, the perfect package the beard hedger pro kit and it doesn't end with just the beard hedger Um, It also has four dermatologically tested formulations. First of all, the shampoo and conditioner. Um, Your hair is different on your beard than it is in your head. And I've noticed that as well recently. It's so much better when you get the the, the beard shampoo and the beard conditioner. Just makes it a lot better better, you know, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils and promote beard, beard health. As well. And they also, Manscaped, have the beard oil. That's number three uh, of the four here, as well as the beard band, the beard oil, first of all, if you have a little bit of a brittle and dry beard, uh, the oil relieves dryness, but on the beard and the skin beneath it, while adding a little shimmer and shine as well, it looks extra fine. Cap it off with the Beard Balm, as I mentioned, a pomade, the shape styles, moisturizers, and tames for the sculpted look. There's also three free gifts with the Beard hedger Pro Kit, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure you have the perfect tools for the perfect beard. From first impression to last, you love it. And everyone will see your improved facial hair game too. So get 20% off. And free shipping with the code SevierMe That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. The Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 links. You'll absolutely love it. Promo code SevierMe, manscaped.com, 20% off, plus free shipping. Right, Graham, let's let's get straight into it. So let's talk about uh, Bellator Dublin another uh, week. I suppose I don't know. It was it good, bad, indifferent? It was an interesting week though in, in the world of uh, Irish mixed martial arts. Um, a long week. I was up there on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Obviously, Thursday for the media day, Friday for the the wins, and Saturday for the the fight night itself. Um, like it, it was, I suppose before we get into the fights and all of that, it was it was a. I I think the the landscape maybe for like covering MMA in Ireland has really changed. Thankfully, this time, Abby from uh, MMA Junkie was over covering it as well, so I was going to have another face there but it was basically just myself and Andy there was another person there, I, I'm not sure who they were with, I, I think they might have been with the promotion or, or something not not too sure, but that, that was it, and there was no one else there covering it, which is grand and all, but it's, uh, I suppose we've discussed this before, it's a far cry from where it used to be in terms of a lot of people around uh, covering uh, you know, covering MMA and wanting to be at media days and everything like that, so it's, uh, it's interesting and Press Row actually on the night as well which is usually a little bit different now usually people are just turning up for their free ticket basically there was a lot less this time as well now maybe that's down to the, the card and we've talked about that obviously last week the card and not being amazing and all but that's just kind of the landscape we have at, uh, at the moment in terms of the, the media landscape um the media day itself, though, I thought it was actually pretty good. To be honest, I thought um, you know, there, there's no you don't have that big star in terms of you know James Gallagher that's going to talk a lot, or you know, you know Leah maybe in the fight. That's gonna, you know, get her towards the title. You had Sinead in that as well, but you know, Sinead's a little bit quieter and all that and Queely was kind of he wasn't in the big fight this time and he was a little bit off farm, he wasn't that up for it and stuff. He was kind of just trying to get out of there, which you know, I a hundred percent understand and all that. But I thought the Amisov stuff was was very good, obviously very touching the stuff he was saying. I thought Brian Moore was very good, I thought Harding was good, you know, Sinead was good in her way too and Kieran Clark was good. So it was a good it was a good media there to be fair, but you know, it didn't maybe have that, that that star that people like are 100% tuned in for, like, no matter what they, they say, whether it's you know, even James or, or whoever it might be. Um the wins then went off basically without a, a hitch. Kieran Clark's opponent, Leonardo Sinis, came in and he missed weight, but he, he, lo- he looked he looked
1: bad as well walking out. Yeah, he looked uh,
0: really, really bad. But he took it on short notice and, and you can understand him maybe struggling to make weight. I Mike Mazzouli, fair play to him, like he immediately said, Stop, you're not getting no more weight. Uh, Sinis was trying to take off like his his underwear to make weight on him. Mizzouli stopped him and met Kieran Clark outside, um, and he's like, yeah, I'm taking the fight <laughs> He basically didn't he didn't get like to be honest he was like ah he tried you can see he killed himself to get down I've no problem with that he wasn't like a guy who went in there and you know didn't didn't uh, you know try to make the way that Kieran was saying he's like no problem and he there was no second thoughts even for him about taking the fight so
1: yeah I think Kieran was just grateful to have an opponent after your opponent falls out during the week like you're, you're just happy that Sinis is there and you know as you said Clark said he, it wasn't a case of he just didn't bother trying to make weight he literally looked like death walking out so in fairness to him I don't think it was uh unprofessionalism it was just a, a late call up and um a big wake up by the looks of things and yeah. fair play to Kieran obviously taking the fight but uh I think that was always going to happen
0: yeah 100% yeah he's he, as you said last two opponents fell out the last two times when I spoke to him he was on about that as well that like he's fought in the IMAS before and he's fought lads that he's never even seen you know for and sin is it was hard to get coverage of him anyway so I probably didn't know too much about him so that you know he was he was always taking that fight so yeah that, that was kind of it yeah, that, with that's, that's so. actually
1: something we don't really talk about about the IMAS mm-hmm. and things like that where you know in MMA, especially outside of the UFC and uh, th- even in the UFC there's a lot of fallouts and like uh, late changes, so it's good to have that experience of kind of going in there against the unknown and in, in the IMAS as an amateur kind of in your in your locker to fall back on when this does happen.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's, I actually never, I, I, thought, I thought about it a little bit before when we were talking about like um, uh, fighting even guys like on the uh, on the Irish um, National Championships and preparing for the IMAS, but never thought about it with like that preparing for pro when guys pull out until Kieran Clark said it. I was like, Yeah, Jesus, that actually makes a lot of sense, you know, that you, you know, we see here guys all the time saying, oh, I'm preparing for myself and not to, thinking about my opponent, but you kind of, you actually have to do that in some ways because you never know if it's going to be the fucking same opponent or not, especially on the way up. Like, like let, let's say if you're Amasov or you're a champion in some way class, is a little bit different. But if you're someone, you know, like uh, Kieran Clark on the way up or anyone from, you know, Kieran Clark down on the card, basically your opponent can change <clears throat> in a second. And, it, 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 you know, it, it's liable to do that. So, you <laughs> To kind of have that experience of having done that before not going to be a shock to the system it's it's good to have that and you know fought a lot of different styles as well it's also uh, you know good to good to have that there so yeah that was uh, I thought that was a big takeaway from the first couple of days there and it was great you know it was great to see everyone again a lot of people around you know there was even a few fans around the hotel and stuff maybe more than, than usual and you know Robbie Lawler was knocking around and Eugene Behrman was knocking around and stuff so there was a few you know the the stars of MMA around the place as well so it was you uh, it was great to see, you know, as I said, I mentioned Abby talking to him and Andrew McGahan was around and, you know, even chatting to kind of the Big John and a few of the the, the judges and the refs and stuff as well. It's, it's always great to, to do that and be at a, a Bellator fight week. and I'm sure it'll be the same for the other ones as well, but uh, tiring, Graham.
1: Yeah, it's, it's mad though, <laughs> so you know, you used to see people <laughs> like Abby and all those every every few months and I was talking to Abby at the the media day and at the fight night and I don't think I'd seen him in about five years, so, you know, it's a bit mad how how quickly time goes by but also how, you know. Our kind of routine of uh, going over to you know fight nights in, in in the UK and and in Europe has kind of has kind of changed. I suppose a lot of that is you know uh, no Irish interest on the cards and and things like that. Or uh, well, usually no Irish interest in the card. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Ian Gary later and maybe where where they should place him uh, uh, and stuff like that. But yeah the landscape as you said has definitely massively changed
0: yeah I think look the pandemic is definitely a thing about it as well it got a lot a lot of people out of it but Abby was even saying it to me as well it's like Jesus I remember coming here in the place to be packed or i will be meeting this person this person this person no you know none of them are covering them anymore or they know the game kind of uh, eats people up and, and spits them out an awful lot and that's, uh, that's unfortunate but that's uh, both inside the cage and the people outside of the cage covering it as well It just MMA seems to be one of yeah, I uh, suppose of the sports. pandemic
1: is a good point because people like like we're working from home uh, in normal jobs people got used to that and seeing that you can do it that way and you know you can cover UFC events Bell and Bellator and Cage Wires and all these events uh, at home pretty much the same as you can bar like you know the in person interviews afterwards getting a few questions in or whatever that's basically you know nearly the only difference so i suppose the pandemic made people see that like i don't actually need to spend this money to go and to these events i can just cover from home and it's basically kind of the same outcome
0: yeah and i think a lot of people were actually like covering MMA like as a job like I am now as well it's it's actually very hard to get away for like three days to cover it because you've other work to do and stuff as well and you're fucking rushing it and it's you know, it's it's really not that easy when you have stuff to get in you know have filed on time and to get, you know for for the week before and the week after MMA moves so quickly it's it's actually tough so I I, I understand it a lot but it's it's weird to you know, and we've mentioned this before, so I won't go at it again. But like, there's there's almost no like up and coming Irish media at the moment, like that's sort of turning up to these media days and clawing at it to get there. Like, there's literally, like I said that's one person, I'm not sure who they were, but like other than that, there was there was no one there. There's absolutely no one there. So it was, anyways, I was, anyway. Mean, I suppose it's a little bit disappointing, but like, it's it's understandable as well. But anyway, we will get into the fights, and we'll we'll talk about them. um, We'll start start at the undercard And I suppose work our way up Because um, I want to talk a good bit About the the top fights And and maybe we can run through the, the, The undercard A little bit quicker Um Stephen Hill went in there and he looked impressive he got a good win moving to, to 7-0 against Joel Queja. he got the rear naked choke in the uh, second round of that fight I believe um, very close second fight in Dmitry Hitchenko against Danielis Skatesi now keep in mind as well I haven't got a chance to watch these back yet Graham I don't know if you have but we were sitting cage side watching these so you know we, we I, I would definitely not take my view 100% on the judging we might have a few other points to make on a few of the things that happened but from my point of view sitting cage side I thought the Skateezy hit Trinko fight I I thought Dimitri won the third round and I thought the first two were very very close um you know and even John Cavanaugh came up afterwards and I kind of said the same thing to him I think everyone thought it was a little bit close I think maybe a lot of the SPG crowd maybe have thought that Skateezy had won it and I I, like I wouldn't disagree with that in terms of a 29-28 I think it could have gone either way but as I said I haven't been able to go through with a fine two call money watching it um uh, cage side but I, you know what I thought the first few fights the, the levels were actually very good and Kenny came in the next fight but you know I, I think Andy was saying it the other day maybe the most impressive performance or the impressive like most impressive dominating performance okay he's opponent wasn't maybe as higher level as some of the others Craig McIntosh going on to three and five now but Kenny looked very very good there and I thought the level of those first few fights was uh was pretty good and he was in the, the Skateezy fight Graham and, and Kenny looked good as well didn't he
1: yeah, I agree with you. The, the first two rounds were close. So I think what was the first round I was kind of saying to you or like you could have went either way and we were kind of yeah. saying that after the second as well. So, you know, it, it might feel a bit unfortunate to come out on the wrong side of that decision, but I I think probably uh, it was probably it was the right decision just about. One thing I'd say about Scalcini, I'd recommend he comes out to um, Scatman by Scatman John mm-hmm. instead of uh, whatever song he's coming out to just to, you know, get get the crowd going, get the crowd on the side and get a bit of banter going. And it's obviously a uh, Hilarious song as well. It suits his name, and he doesn't have another walkout that's like you know that he'd be replacing that you'd be missing out on. So yeah, that could be something he he looks at. But uh, yeah, in terms of the actual fight, yeah, I think there was just a couple of big shots in in each round, or a couple of uh, decent shots that kind of snapped his head back a little bit, or or stiff enough shots that probably just edged the rounds. But as you say, when you're cage side and there's a lot going on, and you're, you're you're trying to you know. Uh, do other things as well like uh, on terms of the website and videos and stuff like that it's hard to you know watch that carefully and sometimes you get blocked and the screen screen to the left of us wasn't showing the fights so it was showing like um, you know a big picture of each fighter and, and just a promo picture basically on the big screen and uh, the screen that we could look at was kind of really high and far behind us so it it was kind of hard sometimes when um, the view was obstructed to see what was going on in some of these fights
0: I always, and I've said this before but I always think you know, but MMA decisions And when people's cage side are putting in their scores The media, I'm always thinking like Those are probably the worst scores you can get Like, genuinely There's no worse person to score it than the media cage side And I include myself and you in that as well Last Saturday night Like, it's, a, it's an impossible task Because as you said, going in and out But looking down at your laptop, taking notes don't we don't have monitors in front of us? We're looking. We don't have a clear view with the cage. It's very. It's like it's a very very bad place to, to to watch a fight from. But you know, we we but we can. You can also get the other side of it in from that. You can see the looks and people's faces, like in the Charlie Ward fight. You could hear hear him talking. Very yeah, you very. Can hear the impacts
1: really well as well you from whatever, with the position we're at. We're pretty close to the cage and. You know, you can hear the impacts of the shots, which sometimes, you know, sometimes you can hear the big ones on TV, but you can hear every shot. So you can kind of have a little bit of extra gauge about how, how much impact or how much force they're landing with. 100%,
0: 100%, yeah, 100%. Uh, moving on then, Jenna uh, Bishop got the unanimous decision over Alina uh, Kalinidou and, and deserved that one as well, uh, as did Kassan Makamed Sharapov. He beat Rafael Hudson. He got the uh, the finish late in round one. We were watching that round. We were kind of saying this, you know, he's doing well in the first maybe two three minutes of this, but he needs to up the pace um, to and get the finish here because he was dominant. And he did, to be fair. No, and uh, we were kind of saying maybe... He's not doing enough, he's not doing enough, and then he did do enough, and he ended up getting the finish in the end. Uh, We'll talk about Kieran Kark later, but, you know, Magomed Sharapov is another up-and-comer here at 145. I talked to Kieran after about it, and he said he'd like to have that fight, so I think that'd be an interesting fight, but he certainly looks like a a terror in there, you know, more of a a wrestling style maybe than his brother who can also wrestle as well, but a very, very, very good fighter, and interesting to see where he goes now after after winning eight in a row. Um, Asel Ajouj in against Liam McCracken I suppose a different fight than a lot of people were anticipating uh, I think McCracken probably won the first and Ajouj and, and won the, the next two a lot of wrestling here a lot of ground and pound a lot of a lot of kind of pulling and dragging out of each other in a fight that we a lot of people maybe thought myself included was going to be a stand-up affair but another good win for uh, Asiel speaking to him afterwards you know and asking him about that he was kind of saying you know it's good to get that good, good to get a bit of a drag fight like that, show the wrestling, show the extra skills, and he's one of those guys a lot of people in the gym believe is the next big thing, and this was a learning experience for him, I think, against the guy who's, you know, similarly enough experienced and only one or two less fights than him, but a very, very good prospect, uh, and Liam McCracken as well, who looked good when he's striking early against the sale, who is, you know, obviously a very, very good striker himself. What do you think, Graham, about, like, those... Even Derek Kelly in the, the fight next, another learning performance, a good performance, a win for both of them, and they, and they both move on. Early in your career, sometimes we look at guys and we kind of forget these lads are still learning, these, these lads are still improving, and like, to have 15 minutes like Gassell had here or what, around the 12, 13 minutes that Derek Kelly had, it's big for fighters like that, isn't it, that are up and coming and to have just not only the experience but the ability to kind of showcase your skills in that time in the cage
1: absolutely yeah. you know both to asail first of all like showed kind of you know everybody who's kind of been hearing stuff from the gym knows about his striking and how, how good a kickboxer he is and, and all that but there you know you're here in the gym oh his, his, his grappling has come on he's gotten a lot better but you want to see it in 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 a fight, you want to see it against a good guy and Lee McCracken definitely looked like he was that and, you know, in in fairness to him, fair play to him taking the fight, you know, coming in, um, undefeated 3-0 and taking a really hard fight and really bringing it to Acael and, you know, Acael had to show that he can be on his back that he's comfortable there that he's his jiu-jitsu is is you know coming along nicely that is grappling that every every, his all-round game is there he even got caught with a glancing elbow on the ground and you know how is he going to react if he gets caught in a difficult fight he's going to react well like we like we saw so i think it's a you know 15 minutes in the cage is always good as well as a young pro your your sixth pro fight against difficult guy you know it's pretty much a, a you know uh a performance that showed things that we we, we wanted to be shown and for Asael he seemed happy enough with the performance you know he obviously uh, fighters like him and all fighters would like to go in there and get the finish but i think he knows that the time in the cage a learning experience you know uh, is exactly what he needs now and uh, you know maybe three four five more fights he'll be he'll be looking at contending for bellator titles or or you know going elsewhere or whatever but I think he seems happy enough on this on this like not slow road, but this steady progression. And a guy like Liam McCracken, I think, was a perfect fight. And I think you know he wasn't afraid of Asail. He he wasn't looking at his striking and thinking, "Oh, uh, this is a dangerous fight for me." He went in there. To to me, it looked like he went in there fully expecting to win and brought it brought it to Asail. and that's what you need. These are the the kind of learning experiences. And if you can pick up these learning experiences with with a you know a win coming from a round down. To, to win the next two rounds, he said himself between the second and the third round in his corner, he they were telling him when he knew he had to go out and win that round. And, you know, he didn't have the round all his own way, but he did it. He did more than enough to win the round. So, yeah, I think there was a perfect performance from him uh, in terms of kind of showing where he's at and showing to himself and to the crowd what he can do. And then Derek Kelly, you know, another guy who uh, we have a lot of hope for and you know cutting down to a, a lower weight class when you're a big strong muscly guy like him with, with like cement cinder blocks for arms there's questions there about how it's going to look how you're going to look at 145 but he came in with a with, with weight to spare looked good in the fight maybe got a little bit tired but you know got the finish in the third round ground and pound uh yeah really good performance from him and great to see him like you know look uh strong and healthy at 145 because sometimes when guys make these first cuts down to a, a new weight class they can they can really uh you can really see the adverse effects of it but i uh, i didn't see that with Dara here
0: yeah it, it was very interesting getting down to 145 because at the wins he looked good on the scale he didn't look drained or anything and then you know at the ceremonials which were maybe three or four hours later he, he didn't look as good, it was weirdly, but I think maybe that's a thing of, maybe he's not used to um, rehydrating as much as he maybe had to for this one, and that's a thing, you know, it's probably a minor thing in terms of something they'll be able to fix next time going in there, but apparently the, the, the weight cut went very well, he looked good on the scale, he looked good in the fight as well. As you said, look, maybe he looked a little bit tired at the start of the third round, but didn't got the finish in the third round as well, so he got that second win and kept going again, and as you said, it takes time. We've seen it before with other lads like... They, they go down in weight and then maybe the first couple of fights they're not 100% and then it takes time to get used to that weight and then they crack on from there now that isn't even really the case I say with Dara but it's probably the case with everyone in terms of like just getting used to being at that weight class as well as you're only three fights into your career getting used to being in a fucking fight you know is, is, uh, is a big thing as well but Definitely a way better performance than than the last time, um, where you know he said it himself that he just took the wrong decisions at the wrong times and made the wrong moves, and it was just kind of bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Whereas this one it was more it it was the opposite I was like good decision after good decision after good decision and I think a lot of it was to do with as well just kind of being calm in the positions not rushing them and now maybe you know maybe he could have gotten the finish or he could have gotten the uh, earlier or or he could have gotten into a better position quicker or something like that but why even rush it in in that position when you are young in your career the little bit of extra time in the cage is no harm you're getting used to the way class take it a little bit safer
1: yeah it's a third pro fight you know we've seen him obviously in these big shows now a couple of Time, so it's easy to forget how like young in his career he is, like you know, and he's definitely he's definitely like you know got room to to improve. He knows that, but that's absolutely normal for some guy, uh, for any guy at the at the stage of his career. that?
0: Yeah, I would say what what this was is a very very smart display. A very after the last one as well. Very smart display, and that you know, for a guy who has such physical gifts to have that intelligence as well to put on a, a performance like this against someone like Darval Jordan, who you know, a lot, a, um, I, mean, who's, I think Zen Simon was saying this recently that guys with like big physical advantages over lots of uh, other people when they meet other guys with those physical advantages as well tend to struggle and this was exactly the case here you know Darval Jordan an absolute fucking monster of an athlete as well and Dara really didn't struggle against it he looked good everywhere obviously taking it to the ground his hands looked good as well he said afterwards about his hands improving that's another thing that's going to improve throughout his career as well uh, this you know, maybe people write this off as, oh, it's just another win in, in the books, but it's an important one in terms of the weight, in terms of the better performance, in terms of the calmness, but in terms of the win as well over a similarly, I suppose, athletic guy is big, 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 big for Darek Kelly. So he moves on and, you know, give him two, three, four, five, six more fights. And uh, he's only going to improve and improve and improve all the time. So big things uh, to come from Derek Kelly and, uh, and the word as well. And and the cell is similar similar with the, the you know the the fights are going to improve him. So looking forward to seeing Darren. I suppose that kind of. Those were a lot of the the, the undercard-y fights. The rest of the the the, the fights were uh, we were moving to this was the, the next stage of guys who are reaching their prime or at their prime or you know n- need to get the big fights now. Uh, but for the undercard Irish fighters, I suppose it was a very very good night. You know, okay, Skatizy lost out of Sbg, but as we mentioned, Kenny one look good, Darrow uh one look good, ACL one looked good and got tested as well. So a good night there uh, on the undercard for the. the the next, uh, I suppose, batch of Irish MMA fighters. Richie's yeah, Just before
1: you go on there, did did, did I don't know? I, I was you know obviously doing stuff and trying to watch the fight, and from what I saw, Kenny ran through, uh, but then he didn't come out for a post-fight scrum because he was going for a CT scan. So yeah, did he get sure. hit with something or did did we? I'm, I'm not
0: sure. To did realize. you see it's, anything there? I, I didn't. I didn't see it hundred percent. But yeah, it's it's. I could have got hit with something. I'm not too sure. Like as well, like they could have done a you know they all go back for medicals afterwards they could have done some sort of medical tests that said ah you know there's something a little bit off here or something like that and you know the precautions send him for that he was actually I think Andy said he was in the crowd afterwards as well so I assume he got that and was was back by the time that the card was actually over so I don't think there's anything to worry about I saw him tweeting as well that he said um, not a scratch on me or whatever and came back so yeah I don't I don't think that was a big thing I think it was more a precaution than anything as well do you know what we'll, uh, we'll look up on that again and, and I'll let people know if there's uh if there's anything to, to report on that but uh as i said I, I don't think it's uh you know i don't think there was anything major there but um yeah good uh, a good win for Kenny anyway re- regardless um richie and this was the closest fight at night you know i was talking to a couple of judges afterwards and there were there were, uh, you wouldn't think it but i think there was something like 10 decisions on the, on the night or something. There was a lot of decisions, but the Smullen and Nijelski one was very, very close. The last time Richie Smullen had a, a close decision in uh, the three arena was against Albert Diaz, I believe. He came out on the wrong side of that. Came out on the right side of this one, though, and, Jesus, I, I think, the, look, the first round for Nijelski, the, the, the third round was for Smullen. and it was that middle round, and obviously, you know, as just quickly mentioning again, we are there time. So it's very hard for us to, to watch it, but... Um, this was one and I I don't think we're too far off on what we were saying Graham and this one cause I was talking to a couple of the judges as well about that middle round and they were kind of saying like look he was caught in that guillotine caught in the guillotine but then got out and you're kind of thinking to yourself is Richie going to do enough here to snatch back this round after the like the initial guillotine score side but the rest of it like you, he's not going to submit him after that we all kind of know that but he's still like just about ahead there and Richie needed to land those shots late and I think the last 30 seconds took him the round I really think it is. he landed some nice elbows some good not not anything, ma- anything massive and that's I think why it's a split because it was close but for me and I think for you as well looking on cage side I think Smullen just did about enough to get a, a big win here over Jelski. first of all Graham, what, what did you think of the scoring and it's good to see Richie back in the big time here in the three arena wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. A, it was a really good fight in terms of you know uh, ups and downs. Might might not have been spectacular in terms of you know people getting knocked down, dragged out, and stuff like that. But that would look like a locked in arm in guillotine in the first round. But uh, we were kind of saying it on on press for all at the time. Like if you don't if you don't get it after like twenty, thirty seconds, and you're squeezing, you're just going to burn your arms out. And you held on to it for a long time, going for. But we, I've seen Richie in in guillotines like that before. I think it was Shinobi FC in Liverpool, and when, when Dylan Tooke fought Adam Ventry. in the main event, he was in a very similar position, and he ended up getting a, a guillotine finish himself after escaping. So we've kind of seen Richie there. He's not going to panic there. And once once the uh, Jelski didn't have the didn't have the the finish with the initial squeeze, it it seemed like he was kind of just wasting his time and burning out his arms and. Smullen just stayed patient and you know worked his way out of it. And uh, Nijelci went for it again later in the fight. But I, 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 from where we were sitting and from what I said about the arm being burnt out and stuff like that, it seemed like it was it was um, you know he'd missed his opportunity to get that guillotine. So Richie Smullen did did really well. You know as you said, it was really close round at the end there, and you know somebody had to kind of put a stamp on it. And Richie was the one who had the the gas tank and had the the kind of fortitude to lay it out there and like he didn't exactly you know land anything huge or anything as you said but he did enough to land some shots to to kind of you know make sure that the judges remember that and in you know, a close round like that that's kind of you know what you need to do if you're going to win the round and you know fair play to him it could, if he hadn't have done if he hadn't have gone for that last kind of flurry it, you know it could have been a different story in a close split decision
0: Yeah, 100% and the thing about Richie Smullen is as well his levels of cardio are fucking second to none. I think he's an absolute beast. Uh, I, I think it was Will Flory I was talking to, who was saying that Richie, he nearly overtrends. He trends so much, he just nonstop. And like, it's, that's not even a secret. I don't think because um, Richie. Apparently he ran a ten k. I think he said it in the post fight, but he we, myself and Andy were talking to him. I think is a he ran like he didn't want to cut weight, he didn't want to go into a bat, so he just decided to go. He's actually eleven k. He said he ran eleven k to cut weight, put on the, the 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 what's called the suit, the sweatsuit, ran the fucking eleven k, came back and missed weight and went to bed. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a mad bastard, like an absolute yeah, mad. Made, made weight,
1: mean yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Not sweat oh, did I say weight? Oh, yeah, sorry, made weight. So uh, yeah, and that just tells you what Richie is because like we we, we might this might be an easy fight to gloss over for a lot of people but Nijelski beat Pedro Carvalho two fights ago who was ranked at the time who's you know still ranked this guy's a very 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 good fighter and Simona went in there and beat him and he's like Come back to Bellator, and his first fight back in Bellator. This is a massive win for Richie Swan. He was a massive underdog here. You now I gave him as one of my bets of the week over in Sherdog to win by either a uh, submission or decision, and it was five to one. I think he was around three to one or two, uh, two and a half to one or something like that to win the fight. Straight up, he was yeah. a massive underdog. You know,
1: underdog here. was on a nine fight win streak dating back nearly five years. So, yeah. like, six years, sorry. So, like, you know, that was a huge win. Richie, Richie Smullen, as we mentioned, things have kind of not worked out for him. He's had a few unfortunate things with, like, tough and things like that. And, you know, being out of the cage uh, for maybe longer than he'd want. But we mentioned it on the podcast last week. His wins are looking better as time goes on with, like, Harry Hardwick and people like that. You know what I mean? Having a, a win over Harry Hardwick and Bellator in his last Bellator outing is, is a huge win. So he's kind of reestablished himself uh, as a... A contender in bellator after kind of strangely fallen out of, of of bellator back in back in 2020 so for richie you know maybe there's not that much fanfare he's not saying he's not calling out people he's not really saying too much exciting things he's just keeping his head down as, as you mentioned and working and you know doing his thing his way <laughs> going out for 11k runs to cut weight just just putting in the work and just keeping just just keeping his head down and trucking ahead and you know uh, maybe you know with Bellator the way that matchmaking, maybe he he won't get a name in, in in his next fight but I'd like to see him get a name maybe somebody who's who's maybe not at the top of the division but somebody who's got a good name a good test he can go out there and really kind of you know uh, get the statement win that he in terms of the public that he that he that he deserves or the that he Deserves the opportunity to get anyway, like you know, Nigelski is obviously for me and you and people who are tuned in. He's a, he's a huge win, but for the the casual MMA fan, he's he's they probably never heard of him. So, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of Irish guys. There's, a, there's not that many places on the on the main card and in, in the September card that they announced. But I think Richie Smullen has earned a place on it.
0: I, I think for Bellator, though, you, that's a very hard one to ignore in terms of the level that Nigelski has reached. To ignore like mullen beating him in terms of the matchmaking from then on it's hard to do but having said that like look what well they did it with Carl Moore, Moore did, that's what just you to know say, they did yeah. it with
1: Brian Moore, they did like, yeah, come on yeah
0: it, that's true <laughs> that's true there's no uh, there's no logic around at Bellator sometimes yeah and um it, I think this card kind of showed what we were talking about as well. But anyway, we'll get into that more in a second. But uh, yeah, massive win for, for Richie and don't understate that win. Absolutely massive. Uh Brian Morden, you know, another split decision here was another it was a close fight. It was definitely close, and Brian was very disappointed with his performance afterwards. He was he was happy with the hardly he shot. I thought he just about won it as well. If if I'm being honest, it was it was a close fight. Um like that one, the Richie one, they could have got, they really could have gone either way. I think the Richie one, uh, I think they got it right. It was one of those, you know. But the the Brian one definitely could have gone either way. I think that first round where Luke landed a big one and then Brian landed a big one back. I think that was a big part uh, of the fight. But you know, Brian was in and he was awkward and he was, you know, very hard to kind of pinned down in terms of what he was doing all the times. He, he described him as someone like a beginner being, you know, they catch you with a, with a weird shot just because of the way they fight. And for Brian to kind of come through that and win that fight, I think was... Um you know, it was a, uh, great to get that W, great to get another win in the books and go forward because, there's, you know, we've talked about Brian a good few times, uh, obviously over the years, loads of times, but in, in the last couple of fights, it's just been very unlucky in terms of that Lugo fight, he could have won it. Very, very close fight. This one, another close fight, and he wins it. So that bit of luck may be turning a little bit as well. Plus, the the pressure is building now on... on uh, Bellator and Scott Coker especially to give him that fight he said twice now in a row after his fights that he's going to get the Hegel fighter as Brian calls him well Joe, he said
1: we'll, we'll, we'll see what, Coker said we'll see what happens well, after said the performance that. so he yeah. kind of gave himself the out there like he says, "Well, we'll see what happens after the after the, the card or whatever so uh, you know I assume <laughs> they're just going to stick Brian Moore in there against another randomer on another random place on the September card that's probably what's going to happen because that's what always happens.
0: It's ridiculous though because like,
1: you know, and, and they kind of have a, not an excuse now, but it wasn't Brian's best performance, you know, it was a, it wasn't as technical as he usually is on the feet. He he lost his composure a little bit at, at times in the fight, so you know, it wasn't the, the the most polished Brian more performance. It definitely wasn't as good as his last performance, like, like he said in the, the post-fight scrum and things like that, so, you know, if Bellator were looking for an excuse to not give it to him, they probably they probably might We'd be looking there, and and I probably expect him just to get a random. It it makes very little sense. It makes little sense, right? Because like, if
0: if you look at it, you look at right. I I, I I kind of misspoke a little bit on the on the post fight the, the three biggest receptions I said Pedro uh, Brian and Quealy I mean I mean Kieran Clark Brian
1: and Quealy A lot Pedro got a good reception as well but Brian's like the, the crowd was, was probably only about 70% by that they state, were but there?
0: still he's and but yeah the crowd we'll talk about the crowd again in a second but Brian got as big a reception as anyone got even though the crowd was only coming in and like I don't think people realise it as well like you know, Mekiring because they have Drahada and a big crowd come down from Drahada, and it's kind of you know. It's easy to see that because he comes up in the cards and he's got a a big uh, big crowd behind him. He's near the top of the cards. He's got a big crowd behind him. Whereas Brian is kind of always in that kind of midpoint. And you're thinking, ah, are they just the, the card of file in now, or are they just throwing because it's the first Irish guy to come out? But it's Brian. Like he's with the Wex- Wexford people. And I have a friend of mine from Wexford, and like those people love their fucking sport in Wexford. They love supporting their own. They love supporting Wexford. And Brian brings a crowd with him. He brings buses. The people up and they get fucking behind him, and also you can't misplace the fact that Brian Moore is one of those guys that's been around for a long, long, long time. And okay, maybe you think thinking, oh, there isn't that many Irish MMA fans that have been around for a long time, but you know what? There is a good few. Plus, the people who came in, let, let's say from around me or after me, who were kind of learned Irish MMA from the likes of yourself and Andrew McGahn, coming up, I went back and saw, all right, who's the lads that have had five, six, seven, eight, ten fights here, and you got, saw, you know, uh, Chris Fields you saw Ashton Daly, you saw Cahill um, Pindred, Paddy Hoolan and Brian Moore was another one of those names he was one of those names and also like there's no, th- there's a lot of people right on say Wexford or Waterford or down that side of the country who'll travel up and they love people you know from Kilkenny or something like that from their side of the country and they're like okay he's not a dub, he's not like the rest of them the-. like it's like for me even like I'd have a, a bit of a softer spot for even a Will Fleury or a Queely or something because they're from Munster you're, that's I think there's a big part to play in that as well and people maybe misunderstand that but you can fucking hear it when Brian Moore walks out that he has that following and like they can see that with Kieran Clark, right and Kieran Clark absolutely deserves everything he's getting but why can't they see it with Brian Moore plus with all due respect to Kieran like he's still up and coming do, like.
1: do, do you think it's like a mm-hmm. this guy's undefeated and Brian Moore you know He's fought some really good guys, but he's 16 and 9. I know that's yeah, a very good like, record considering who he's fought, but you know, an undefeated guy kind of to the casual. Maybe Bellator think that, but like, uh, why have they done it? We're in, pushing more. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to make logic out of out of what's going on.
0: I, I, you can make logic out of that right? Fair and are a pet, push undefeated guy, and I, I, they should be pushing Kieran Clark, no problem with that at all, but like. Brymore has what Kieran has in terms of that right but he also has what Keely has in terms of he's been around for a long time he's a known guy but he's a higher level than than Peter Queeley in my opinion like Peter's done great to where he's gotten to and has fought some very very good guys but Brian is a very very high level fighter and okay his division I think is, is a very very good division in Bellator as well and outside of it but as I said I, I think he's a top 20 25 bantamweight in the world and I stick by that like he's very 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 good we saw that against Lugo he was right there he could have won that fight Lugo's in you know the top uh, top 5 top 10 in that division as well like like d- what they need to do now with Brian Moore is give him the Queeley spots for next, uh, and the next couple, right? Put him put him f- like fourth in the main card. Jo- oh, have Kieran Carr opener like the Abazoo, then Brian, then Queeley, and then the top two. That's where Brian Moore needs to be uh, on the next card, I think. Against Higo, against, you know, Higo's a perfect one because Higo agrees to it, Brian agrees to it, Skoker, uh, Coker agreed to it the last time, if not this time again. Just do it, right? Do it. And if he wins that fight, Perfect. You're you're on. You give him an even bigger fight in in a co-main event, a main event in Ireland. You're you're creating another uh, another star here out of a guy who's on the precipice of it because so many people like him for so many different reasons. And the thing about Brian as well is right. He's a little bit older now. He's been around for a long time. You have to take advantage of it right now. For someone like Kieran Clark, you can take advantage of it in five fights, in 10 fights even, because he's going to be around for a long time. He's still young. He's only a few fights into his career. Brian's in his peak right now. If he's going to win those big fights, he's going to win them now or he's never going to win them, right? He's, going, he's either going to come in now and he's going to beat Higo and he's going to win his next fight and we'll see how it goes after that. But he will do that in his next two, three, four fights or he'll never do it, right? Or he'll never get the opportunity to do it. So why not do it now? Take the advantage of it, put him in there, everyone wants to see him in a big fight, he's been in all those up-and-coming fights. Now, for some other guys, I wouldn't say that, you know, for some other guys, I absolutely wouldn't say that, for Brian, for, but for Brian Moore, he's absolutely the guy that you have to give him, you have to give him that opportunity now. Will he take it? We'll see. He says he's going to rise to the level, he's going to fight well against other guys, and you know what, You it's hard not to believe him after the, the performances in the last two, that, as I said, that it, it would have been all different if that Lugo fight had gone the other way, very, very close, but yeah Brian Moore. come on, come on Bellator, let's push Brian more. Anyway, we better move on, we we'll we've we'll spend the day talking about Brian Moore But I'm very passionate about Brian, I know you've known Brian for a long time as well And he's a nice, nice lad, I'm okay, we're biased, and we're 100% biased But, you know, he I think he deserves it he de- But uh, he does deserve it, there's no one that deserve it, uh, deserves it as much as him Because, Qu- like, Quealy deserves it, he got his chance Sinead has deserved it, she's got big fights in her chance It feels like he's almost the only one who hasn't got that chance yet You know, and it's, you know, he deserves it, he deserves it um, Narberth uh, uh do you know what? I don't want to talk your too new, much. Your new
1: favorite fighter is he? my new favorite.
0: Well, he's not even my new. He's been my favorite fighter for a while. Like I watched him. Oh, into oh the, wonder
1: boy, wonder boy. Well, not Bells my fa-
0: not my favorite favorite, but he is my new wonder boy. He, that's exactly what he is. That's a good point. Like Norbert Navigny Junior is if Wonder Boy retired tomorrow, he would take he the He really
1: replaced Wonder Boy with a younger model. That's, yeah, that's I terrible. actually, I
0: kind of have. And you know the best thing about it is, I like, he came up to me at uh, at the uh, winds and he was like, oh, I watched uh, I watched the show over, sure, thanks very much for everything you said about it. So I like him even more now <laughs> because, because he, he Easy was way to show Easy way. But in fairness, anyone who's listened to this, like, I watched him before the Will Flory fight, and that was probably about three years ago now at this stage, and I was just thinking oh my fucking God, this guy, and I i have a lot of respect for will i think he's a very very good fighter i was like jesus christ will's not going to win this fight basically and um yeah norbert destroyed him that day and will has spoken about that since that he's kind of realized that's the fucking level i need to reach but he destroyed manzolo here as well coming off in early two years out like norbert's father olympic gold medalist in wrestling his striking is phenomenal um yeah uh, Johnny Ebelin was there afterwards, and I, I asked him about him. I was like, have you been keeping an eye on Norbert? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, you're going to fucking have to. Because this guy, I think within two years, there's my prediction. Within two years, this this guy will be the champion in Bellator. I think he's that good. He's fucking unbelievable. But anyway, we we'll leave it at that. Uh, I like Popov and Sakram. I didn't even watch that fight. Congratulations to Popov for winning it. Uh, Mike Shimon and Charlie Wargram, not, not a classic to, you know, Charlie... You were saying we were kind of talking about it briefly just before Charlie landed a few blows and he made Mike kind of think about it. I think Shipman was very, very careful in this fight not to be drawn in, not to play into Charlie's game at all. And I think it kind of worked out for him in the ingram, didn't it? That kind of playing the, maybe the smarter game and a little frustrated Charlie a little bit. Maybe saw what Fabian did in the last fight, got on top of a couple of times and ended up winning it uh, that way. Um, not a classic, Graham, this one, was it?
1: Yeah, I think you're you're right, Shipman, definitely played it safe. You know, he's coming in there with only one win in his last four, even though a lot of people were, you know, saying he should have beaten Fabian Edwards. And, you know, on the record, there it is as a a decision loss. So he kind of needed the win, and playing it safe is probably, you know, understandable. And Charlie, you know, does hit very hard and swings with mean intent. And we saw that a few times, and he did did clip a... he did clip Shipman, and Shipman kind of went on his went on his bike a little bit, and Charlie let him know, like who's talking to him in the cage and things like that. Being being a mad bastard that Charlie is, and you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't a classic, but Charlie had his moments. But I think, yeah, you were right. Shipman played it safe and did enough to to win the rounds, and you know, secure an important win for him in terms of his his record and going forward, getting back on the the winning the winning track.
0: Yeah, that middleweight division, you know, it's good at the top, but it's pretty light on the way up, so. Maybe one more win and he's you know he's back in the mix there in the top probably six seven so yeah big win for uh for Mike and, and uh, he goes forward in that one and for Charlie and obviously he probably need to, to get one or two back to get back into that mix again so um you yeah, know interesting to see what Charlie goes uh, does next um Carl Morden you know we we talked about this being a potential banana skin and kind of that's what it was another very very close fight you know Carl said afterwards. It, when the decision was read if they had said that Majek Krasinski was the winner he wouldn't have complained you know it was one of those fights it was close and he, I think he's right it was it was a close fight Um, I missed the very start of Graham there was a big head kick wasn't because we were out, out doing interviews you you were there watching it was a car landed a big head kick and kind of got taken down lost, lost the first round and came back and, and won the, the, la, the, the last two how big was was that head kick was it was it close to finishing or was it just a kind of a, uh, a one that landed or what was it like
1: I was, I missed that. I was like editing you know, the video. We all missed it <laughs> Yeah. But you, you hear the reaction, you look up and it's already happened. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Carl mentioned in his post fight that there was a body shot that he felt and he was like, oh shit, this guy need to be careful. And he kind of put him up against the cage and uh, played it safe again, I think, you know, or tried to play it safe. And it was a close fight. And, you know, I think he did just a, just about enough to win. But, um, you know, it's a, he's, Magic is a hard guy to look, look good against. We've seen it uh time and time again it's kind of a tankless or a tankless task here for carl moore after such a kind of big win against a ranked guy in his last when we talked about it if if uh, magic had a kind of fought his last his last few fights that he fought uh, uh, around the place in bellator he probably would have been ranked in the top you know 10 or 7 or 8 uh in the bellator ranking so it's it's a huge win but it's uh, you know maybe not the name win that uh that that maybe we expected after after uh, his Albrechtson win. So you know, I think it wasn't the best performance. Um, he he played it safe. He he didn't really let his game go for most of the most of the fight, but he did enough to win. And you know, uh, I think he talked in the post fight scrum about he had a few problems during camp and he thought about pulling out, but he didn't want to pull out because he would you know been so inactive and had so many kind of pullouts and things like that in the past. So yeah, I think. Um, you just kind of move on from this one. You, you you learn from it. You kind of let your game go more. Um, it's 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 a it's a great win in terms of like the uh, the toughness of the opponent, but it's it, it's a guy who's hard to look good against, and it's a it's a kind of subpar performance from Moore after kind of the spectacularness of his return against uh Brexit in his last one.
0: Yeah, I it's one of those fights where. I I just wonder what they're gonna do out like and I, maybe that's maybe that's a thing for, uh, for a, a a consistent belt ring or anything. what are they gonna do next? But um Carl won't uh, uh, you know he beat a rank guy in his last fight, came in here, didn't look amazing and beat Rosinski, but we all know why because of, of the ability Rosinski has. Just what are they gonna do next with him is the thing because like what I can half expect you know, as we were talking about earlier on, they'll probably give him another unranked guy who's probably good, you know? They'll find some fucking lad coming out of Dagestan or something who's like 4-0 and an absolute monster at two o five 5 unranked in his first fight. And I don't know. Like... If you're in Ireland Ireland's your biggest market why would you not like push guys through like give him an English, I was talking to a couple of the, the lads around about Ingliscus like when's like, the last you know? time
1: we had somebody like Irish who's yeah. a big fucking 205 or like Carl Moore you know people can get behind the big guys more the casuals and things like that and you know it'd be nice to see him you know kind of given a giving a, a big name that in a winnable fight you know that we kind of hoped he'd get before but as you say, after the <laughs> trauma of uh, the other uh, Moore, Brian Moore, and, and his matchmaking and some of some of the other stuff, it's kind of you know unsure about how they will go with this. But you know, obviously, we're more clued into each and every Irish fighter than maybe like you know Bellator. They have a lot of guys on their on their cards, but you know, these are two pretty good wins. The matchmakers know these are two very good wins uh, for Carl Moore since he's come back. So hopefully, uh, you know. Jude Samuel and the boys will, will, uh, you know, be listening here and take our advice. <laughs> yeah, fucking listen to us and do
0: the exact fucking opposite of what we said. But, yeah, but I, I I actually, you know, after this, it's hard to know the right way to go because, you know, speaking to, to John about it beforehand, he kind of explained what they were doing. And it did make sense, to be fair. They got him in with a, with a tough fight and, you know, just maybe to get him into the promotion, he had to fight someone else then, I suppose, to prove it and to move forward. And look, I was kind of saying the opposite again, but, you know, the higher weight classes as well. There aren't that many guys there. You put a couple of wins together, and you're fucking on your way. Like, so maybe Carl should be on his way now. Yeah. We'll, well, he's on a three we'll play
1: win streak since losing, yeah. you know, that Gate Warriors heavyweight shot. So at, at light heavyweight, you know, his only loss is Paul Craig. So Paul yeah, Craig. It, it, the fucking dogs don't like
0: know. it. The dogs don't like it, girl. Anyway, we'll look. We'll move on. We'll uh, while you start that out. I'll move on and talk about Kieran Clark. Do you know what Kieran Clark showed here that I don't think I've seen before, and I, I maybe not seen before, but it. It's harder to notice when you go into your fights, you take a big shot and then you're kind of, uh, as Brian Moore kind of said in his fight and his character said before, you show that heart and the will and the desire and that's maybe all you see at times and I think for a lot of fighters and for Ciarán himself, I think he was a little bit frustrated before that all people were seeing was the heart and the desire and they don't see the skills. But I think in this one and it's not even the skills in this one, because maybe that's maybe even for another fight down the line. We saw the skills, obviously he's grappling in his positional skills and all of that. But what I what really stuck out to me here that I'd never really hundred percent noticed before was how athletic Kieran Clark is. Like and maybe it was because he was right up alongside us for a lot of this fight and grappling right in front of us. He look I never I never realized how like strong he looks and how you know He's nimble with the strength as well, and I don't know, maybe he's one of those guys, you, you look at him and, you, you know, you see him walking down the street and he just looks like an arm lad, but then when he's there and he's fucking, he's, he's pulling a lad to the ground and f- oh, fucking, you know, beating him on top, he's really fucking strong and really, really, really... F- Nimble and athletic. It's it's interesting because you put that heart with that athleticism, and you know by by all accounts, you know the, the skill and the technique is there as well. And you're only seven fights into your career. That's going to improve over the next five, six, seven fights. Jesus, it's Kieran Clark is, and he has the crowd behind him as well. He's a lad. Uh, I think like Bellator, we, we give him a lot of shit at times, but this is one of those guys. I think they spotted maybe even, and we've known Kieran Clark for a long time, but they've spotted as a guy who is ready to push earlier in his career than I think maybe a lot of people have given him credit card And credit for that as well, because you know, I was talking to, to Danny McCormick the other day and I'll be out this week over in, over in Sherdog. I've interviewed her and uh, she was saying that John, you know, Horan and Kieran were kind of the two, you know. I, I think he, what did she call him? Kind of the, the the outside doublers the country folk, or whatever you want to call it. Although Kieran really in the country folk, he's from the biggest town in Ireland. But you get what I mean. He kind of he, just, he really helped them along a, a and off a lot, and put a lot of time into them. And credit John for doing that. And it's shown off. Look, Danny's fighting in a, in a world title fight, and Kieran Clark is um is looking better and better all the time. And you know, coming in against a guy, as I said, short notice as well. It was short notice for both of them. It was a real good performance from Kieran. Okay, you know, can you, as I said, with the opponent, again, maybe he isn't the strongest opponent in the world, but Kieran needed one of these fights, I think, because he's had enough hard fights over the last the last while, enough proven fights, and I wanted to show his worth, I think, and show how good he is. I was very, very, very impressed, Graham. What did you think of Kieran?
1: Yeah, I think it was his best performance of his career so far. I think it's like he's just progressing steadily and, and quickly and, you know, getting more composed, more more relaxed, more, um, more experienced in there and, you know, um, more confident. And, you know, it's natural to, you know, be when you're in these big spots at the start of your career, even if you do have an extensive amateur career, you're not used to that huge crowd and all that stuff to, you know, you need to kind of get comfortable with that. And he, he's definitely comfortable with that now. He looked like he was, you know, out for... Out for a stroll in the park <laughs> you know he didn't look nervous at all he went in there and implemented his game you know some sometimes you hear guys saying oh i want to show my striking want to show this and that kind of worries me a little bit as i mentioned but he went straight in there got a takedown, and once he did that once i saw that his game plan and what he was going to do you know it was it was only going to go one way and you know uh Sinis put up like you know a decent fight and all that stuff and it was, he's a he's a hard guy to finish as as approved but you know that fight was only going one way i think from from when that when that for 30 seconds in that takedown happened and you could see how comfortable Clark was on top and you know he he kind of had it a, mostly his own way and he's 7 and 0 now you know uh, well, uh, you know obviously they, this wasn't the the matchup that they tried to put together if if, if it fell apart but maybe they maybe they'll try and put it together to again but i think you know maybe a step up maybe what together yeah, you know, maybe putting together the Harvey fight again isn't the best move. Maybe putting putting him in against somebody like that, yeah, Sharapov would be a good move. You know, in a, on a Dublin card, that would be a huge fight.
0: Yeah, I like that fight. I think
1: both guys came, came, came both guys came out unscathed September. You know. Long way time. Away
0: yeah. And Kieran wants to fight in between that. A lot of people want fights between now because September is seven months away. Like it is a long time. I think for say like a Brian Moore now, that's grand. I think September is grand for Brian Moore. He's been you know he's been around a long time and he wants a big hometown fight. That's perfect. But for someone who's only seven fights into their career, or say Derek, Dara uh, Dar- uh, Kelly, or a Kenny Monk and Give to try to get those lads an under fight if they can. Now it's very tough as well because Bellator, you know, where are they going and you know they're not going to Europe as much as they once so were and things. Ah, uh, definitely would be, uh, I'd be trying to get those lads uh, another fight in between this and, and progress their you careers know, on again.
1: Even even on the undercards though, you know, a lot of Bellator American cards, their yeah. under cards are just thrown together, as ticket sellers kind of thing. I suppose that is important to them in terms of the, the crowd and stuff like that. So, but yeah, you could sneak them in here and there. Uh, on 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 undercards, even there or start of main cards would be nice, but maybe a bit unrealistic at this stage for for some of the guys like Kenny and things like that. But yeah, it'd be nice to see them not have to sit around, all of them anyway have to sit around and wait for seven months. But 100%, you know,
0: 100%. while we're at uh, Derek Kelly or sorry, uh, Kieran Darkto, let's talk about the uh, the crowd because. Look, it was a talking point coming into it, and it was definitely a talking point on, on the night. Uh, as I said, very low crowd for Brian Moore, very low crowd for Kieran Clark, as always. The the Queely walkout. Carvalho got a great reception. Amasov got a great reception as well, uh, as did Sinead Kavanagh. Um, but the crowd was, was way lower than, uh, than it normally is. There was two. Corner top areas carded off with big curtains uh, over them, um, and either side of them there was a good few empty seats. Plus there was a good few empty seats throughout the whole arena. I would uh, so I, I think it's nine thousand five hundred is the uh, uh, is the attendance capacity. capacity normally. I would say. You know, I was talking to someone about uh, seven and a half thousand, maybe eight thousand. Graham, what would you think the attendance would be? Uh,
1: yeah, I was thinking about that down the night, trying to work it out. It's really hard to know. Like, but there was definitely like a, a thousand seats um, without it. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, say it was eight
0: thousand five hundred. There, like probably a little bit lower than that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so. yeah uh, it's hard to know, but it definitely wasn't as uh, you know wasn't full like it like it usually is, and it was definitely uh, still a really good crowd, and they were getting behind the fights and things like that, but. We mentioned it uh, last week, you know, when there's uh, Cage Warriors coming back for the first time in a long time, there's uh, PFL making their Irish uh, event debut. There's another Bellator, you know, coming in September. Maybe you're you're looking at the card being like it's a good card, but it's not a great card in terms of, you know, a big draw. Who's going to say something? Who's going to, you know, bring that real, real uh, extra interest uh, and you have these other cards as options and the cost of living uh, in Ireland and Dublin is 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 crazy at the moment. And, you know, times are tight for a lot of people. And it's expensive. Bellator tickets are expensive if you, if you want to go ticket like you're, they're not cheap. And yeah, there's just uh, probably a number of things that led to the crowd not being as not being completely full like it usually is.
0: Yeah. And it. Do you know what I, I i was kind of thinking of coming into it that a lot of the hardcores wouldn't turn up because they would go to cage warriors instead because there was okay the main event a lot of the hardcore hardcores i want to watch it and a lot of the, the irish fighters as well but i think for a lot of the irish hardcores i think the cage Warriors card is probably a little bit more appealing um but I actually don't think that was the case. I think a lot of the Irish hardcores did show up. It felt like, the you know, the casual fans who were out there to get absolutely twisted and nothing else, they weren't there. Because, like, it seemed like a way more chilled, educated crowd than we normally would get, to be honest. So I don't know whether it was the case. The, the, r- was, the
1: riffraff didn't come to the story. They must have listened to your, your, your uh, slating of them.
0: A hundred percent. I... I preferred it, to be honest, I thought, it was, I thought it was absolutely great, and the crowd that were there made great noise, I wouldn't criticise the people that were there at all, they made you know, made great noise, but I think it's a thing for Bellator, right, might be a little bit of a kick up the arse, the, those extra 1,000 or 1,500 seats that's a good bit of money for uh, a promotion who, you know I, I don't think they'd even uh, would, would, would disagree with it, they need the money you know, and they, they need to be pulling in that extra, you know 120 quid per seat for 1,500 seats that's a lot of money. You know, that's a that's a good bit of money for a promotion who's spending a, a lot to uh, t- you know, to logistics and, and, and all of that to, to come over here to Ireland to put on events. So uh, I think the next time if they can adjust it and, and do things to make it more appealing to people, I think they will. And not just from their own point of view, as you said, PFL, Cage Warriors coming as well. I put that to Scott Coker afterwards and, you know, I, I think you can, if anyone saw the answer he gave me, you can kind of tell what he's thinking because he, he kind of said, oh, well, fair best to look to them or whatever. You know, and uh, you wouldn't, if, if you didn't care or if that wasn't a thing, I don't think you would have given a bit of a glib answer like that, to be honest, so... Big time, big, big, big for Irish admin. We said it at the at the end of last year, previewing this year, um the kind of the, the battle the, for, Irish the, battle for yeah, the battle
1: for Ireland begins. The battle
0: for Ireland begins, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Um speaking of battles for Ireland, Sinead Kavanaugh won one of them against Liam McCourt a couple of months ago and she came in here against Sinead Harding and, and she won uh, another one for the the battle to to get towards the top of the division. And you know what? This was one of those fights that really I think looked different care side than it did at home because I saw a lot of people at home saying, Oh, Janae won the fight and it was a close fight and all that to be honest, Graham, and I, I know I, you agree with me here, this did not look close cage-side to me at all. I think Sinead Cavanaugh was landing the much harder shots. Shanae—it was just kind of touching her with a lot of them. No, they were adding up at times, and I think by the end of the fight, Sinead's body was starting to show a little bit because Sinead had done some good work in terms of the, the numbers to our, in the fight. But the effect that they were having immediately in the fight... I don't think it showed at all and Sinead was landing hard even though she didn't land as many you could probably look at the strike stats and they tell you Janae landed more I haven't seen him but I guarantee you that, that that would be the case if you had it in kicks and all of that but there was no doubt about it like absolutely zero doubt about it watching cage side that the pop that Sinead have had was way more than uh, than Janae and and I think she was you know the rightful winner of this fight you saw it the same Graham didn't you?
1: Yeah, like I thought, Sinead clearly won the fight. Like I posted that she'd won 30-27 on Twitter, and people were replying like with laughter and no way and things like that. But cage side, you know, Sinead, as you said, definitely wasn't the most wasn't as active as Janae Harding was. Uh, Janae threw more. She threw a lot of kicks, a lot of a lot of kicks. But they were slapping or just touching. And we were kind of talking about it during during the fight. I'm like, all the big impactful uh, strikes are coming from Sinead and you know, she she rocked uh, Harding at one stage. You know, I don't know. I don't know how people saw that fight for Harding.
0: Yeah, it was... It was just one of those fights where it was all about the impact, you know, it really was. And I think the, there was no doubt about who landed the more impactful shots than Sinead Cavill. And you know what, what a what a great display from Sinead. And, I, you know, sometimes you kind of have to ignore that noise as well and just see what's before your eyes. And I thought, Sinead, for for someone who's been out for a long time with that knee injury to come back as quickly as she did, you know, maybe it's not even advisable to come back as, as, as quickly as she did did a, a fantastic job it looked very very good and I actually think she's going to look a lot better next time out as well because there's no way you can train as Heavily, or as well as probably you should, go into a fight like the Janae Harding fight uh, coming off of that injury. But now for the next one, she, I'm say she will be. You know, she said she. I think it was St. Catherine's Boxing Club. She said she spent a lot of time there, most of her camps there. Um, and I, you know, and I, I have no reason to believe that's that's not true. So she was doing a lot of boxing, probably not as much grappling and wrestling as she would want to, which she might need for future fights. But yeah. look,
1: and you know, when you when you have a, a major knee injury like that, and you come back, and your so your opponent's throwing a lot of kicks at you even if they're not hugely impactful you know that could kind of you know frustrate or you know, like a lot of kicks being thrown at you could kind of get you out of your game a little bit but Sinead just stayed calm and you know waited for her opportunities and I thought she took her opportunities when they when they when they came and landed big shots but uh yeah uh maybe we'll look look back at it on tv and I'll look a little bit closer but uh yeah I think Sinead you know, under the circumstances had a really good performance and clearly won the fight. And, you know, as you said, when you come back off a major injury like that, it's very unlikely your next your next performance is going to be the best of your career, but she did solid and I thought she won every round. So yeah, a really good performance from Sinead, considering the the injury.
0: Yeah. It's very interesting to see what's going to happen with the title pitcher here because, you know, Cyborg has kind of been in limbo here for the last year or so. She's gone off boxing and doing all these different things. Um Andy asked Scott Coker in the pre fight interview uh, about um, the winner of Leanne Cat next in line. He, I, I'm pretty sure he kind of said, yeah, there will be, which is weird because, like, if, okay, if Cat wins, fair enough, no problem. But, if Leo wins, Sinead has ah, just but,
1: beaten him. is a nice, uh, agreeable man who is, will, yeah, will agree really, to a lot of things. Say um,
0: anything, yeah. They will <laughs> Say anything. But, uh, you know, if Leo wins that fight, though, and, I, you know, we're Irish here, come on, Leo. Oh, oh, it'll be interesting because, because like, Sinead has beaten Leo. You know, was t- promised a title shot after she won that fight. And, you know, they could both come out with wins here. Now, maybe we do a, an old interim title shot. You know, Sinead versus Leah too. Whoever wins that gets to fight Cyborg. Let Cyborg go off and, and fight in boxing or bare-knuckle for another while or something like that and come back and fight the winner. Maybe that's the way to do it. Or maybe Cyborg sails off into the sunset and we you know we, we don't see her anymore. But um, I think Scott Corker was talking about um, contracts with Cyborg or something afterwards. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But a massive win for Sinead because if she hadn't won this... You know, she's definitely out of that question for the, the time being. And look, the record's looking a little bit nicer now, 9-5. and five. We've always talked about that record because she's gotten very unlucky. Like, it should at least be 10-4 and four because that first Janae Harding fight. And there's a couple more in there as well. It could be 11-3. Well, no, not
1: the first Janae Harding fight. That one's more disputable. It's the it's the Leslie Smith one. No? And,
0: uh, yeah, the Leslie Smith one. Plus, what was the one? Was it out in Sweden or somewhere? Let me just look here. Let me just pull up her record. Uh... The, uh, was it the only Bien- resident Bien- one or Blanco? There was well, the Blanco one, maybe. Yeah, there was one absolute fucking stonewall robbery in the middle of that as well. Like where, like it was one of those two. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but she was robbed fucking blind. I think it was the Blanco one. Was a Rob blind in that fight? Um, yeah. So she's she's definitely not the luckiest, uh, indeed. But like, she should like. <laughs> That Janae Harding fight very unlucky. The Leslie Smith fight another, in my opinion, a robbery. Like she made, uh, apart from the well, Cyborg may, may, fight, maybe
1: they do the Leslie Smith one, like avenge her yeah. other kind of controversial loss. Not uh, a bad fight. Uh, Leslie know? Smith is only coming off a, a, a title shot against Chris Cyborg, even though it was nearly what nearly two years ago now. But you know, she just avenged her Jana Harding one. Maybe if she if she's not going to get the title shot, if if Cyborg is busy or whatever, uh, then yeah, that wouldn't probably makes sense i saw a couple of people talking about it and leslie smith's like you know a fighter who's going to bring it you know it was a it was a back and forth fight even though you know a lot of people thought Sinead won you know um leslie smith didn't you know didn't uh, shy away from a fight so that'd be a good fight for a dublin card in in september if they wanted to do that but you know they could also do that on an american card and in between and um, if Sinead was to be um successful then they could maybe you know try and get her back in a title shot or an even bigger fight in, in Dublin in September so there's a lot of options with Sinead now that she's back from injury and she got the win so she's in a good cool place and you know hopefully Bellator will will use her like they should
0: Indeed indeed. we'll see uh, we'll see how that goes but yeah I like the Leslie fight as well maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the fight to make next um, Right the, the top three fights in Bryce Logan uh, against Peter Quayley look tough fight for Peter as well it was a relatively even fight I think for, uh, for most of it um the, this is one I think Bryce was a little bit nervous early after the um, after the the walkout and all of that ended up setting and like I think Peter was kind of reaching in and trying to get to Bryce as he was being a little bit defensive early and maybe that played a little bit against Peter because he was he kind of he didn't want to leave it behind him it kind of seemed to be one of those fights for me and maybe went a little bit too hard at it and then Bryce kind of came into the fighting you know there was. You know, big elbow in the clinch, knocked down Peter, and he ended up finishing him with ground and pound. And very, very tough loss. Obviously, coming off of a couple of losses, Bryce Logan was what, three losses deep coming into this fight as well. And for Peter, it's. A big time in his career, you know, he's, what, 37, 38 years of age now, after reaching, you know, the, the peak in terms of fighting for a title in his last one, uh, or his last one before that, and then fighting Benson Henderson. This, again, like was I said, he came into media then, you know, it was kind of very negative out of him, I suppose, and a lot of the questions, myself included, were, were a bit negative in terms of, oh, it's a drop-down in quality in terms of... That's not an easy thing to deal with, I suppose, and then go in and get finished like this. Uh, it's just... I, I just wonder what's next for Peter at, at this stage of his career after reaching that mountain and now after losing kind of on the way down uh, again uh, you know just to look to reach that uh, level was very very good but it's it's tough now it's very very tough for Peter here's an idea Graham right and I don't know if you'd like it or not but Miles Price doesn't seem to be in PFL this year how about Miles Price versus Peter queeley do that rematch the Ireland versus Ireland fight everyone is kind of crying out for that'll draw in more of the crowd as well what do you think of that in the next time?
1: Yeah, like it makes a lot of sense. It was a very close, uh, contested split decision, so you know it makes a lot of sense. But I think Miles Price was he is he still a PFL or has he been released? I don't or?
0: think so. I think one wasn't the uh, the roster announced for the next season. I don't think he's on it. It's so, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say he's I'd say he's probably free. I might be wrong there now. Maybe it hasn't been released, but there was rumors coming out and all. I I didn't see him on it, so I'd, yeah, I'd say he's probably available. Like you know,
1: yeah. Well, you know, obviously peter as you said you know a lot can change in two years you're you're on the top of the world you, you beat tricky pitbull you're, you're going into a you know a huge fight uh a rematch against against pitbull and you know obviously that didn't go his way and the benson henderson fight is obviously you know benson everybody knows benson henderson he's a very difficult matchup uh over five rounds for anybody and This is a kind of a come down fight we talked about on on the on the um, podcast last week. It's hard to get yourself as motivated for this. And, you know, maybe as you said, maybe he fought a little bit out of his game and tried to push the pace a little bit more than he usually does. And maybe he was probably edging the edging the fight up until up until the point. But it was very up until the point of the the elbow. But it was it was very close. And in fairness to to, um, Logan, it was a really, really nice elbow beautiful elbow that dropped him and he pounced and finished and, and no excuses there, you know, from, from Queeley. he he was beaten. Uh, it's a tough one to take and, you know, if, uh, Miles Price might be the kind of guy who can kind of light the fire a little bit more again under, under Peter Creely's, uh under Peter Quilley and get him, get him in the, I'm going to avenge my, my, my loss, uh, my, my close decision loss and kind of, you know, beat this guy, Miles Price, who's kind of said things that I don't like about my teammates and stuff like that, that can kind of maybe get the motivation going again and get Peter Queeley kind of, you know, uh, back in the right mental place. Because as you said, he didn't really seem as excited and up for it in even the the fight week media stuff and things like that, as, as you know, obviously when you're fighting Benson Henderson and fighting for titles and things like that, it's, it's, it's a different kind of motivation.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't even that he wasn't up for it. I just don't think he was up for talking about, <laughs> you know, talking about the fights and doing interviews and stuff, which is absolutely, he's right and stuff. But yeah, that kind of negative mindset from all sides is you're definitely not a good thing. And, you know, but credit to Bryce Logan as well. He came into the Lions' in with that big walkout, settled into the fight and won it. So definitely credit to him. A and he,
1: massive, massive win for him, you know, yeah, as you said. Huge. He had, he had, like, you know, not the greatest time so far in Bellator. You know, he lost a split decision to... Um, Caracanian coming in like you know, there's no shame in that. But he'd he'd lost a couple of fights since then, and this was a huge moment for him. If he lost this, he you know probably be cut. Yeah, 100%, he's coming in. Yeah. He's coming in. There's, as you said, there's the zombie walk out. The crowd are going mad. Everybody's on Queely's side, and you know he pulled it out of the bag with that huge elbow. And you know it was a huge moment for him in his career. Might be a turning point.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Jeremy Kennedy and Pedro Carvalho. This was. <sighs> An absolute domination, basically, for for Jeremy Kennedy, and hundred percent credit to him. He came over. I was you know, I was talking to his coach Eric Nixick, and and Kai Kamaka, uh, the third as well, one of his teammates. And uh, you know they looked confident all week. They were hanging around. They were you know they were getting early, and, and and you know he was one of those guys that looked prepared and looked ready for it, and went in against Pedro Carvalho and and just dominated the fight and did so well, took him down. One with well, on the ground. Pedro
1: went for a, a guillotine. Yeah. And, he did. Uh, ended up kinda not getting it and on the bottom. And from there, Kennedy looked comfortable and Yeah yeah, it was a, a difficult night for Pedro all around, you know. Yeah. Jeremy Kennedy's a really, really good grappler and he kinda got into his game early and kind of stayed there and had a pretty pretty easy night, unfortunately, for Pedro.
0: Yeah, when you see when you see someone look on for a guillotine early and stuff, you are thinking, "Okay, Jesus, okay, if he gets it, great." But you are fighting a, a, a wrestler. I was going to say American wrestler; he's from Canada, but a good wrestler come fighting out of America. Uh, you know, in in uh, Extreme Couture, who's a lot of good wrestlers there as well. And you think, Jesus, is that a bit of a tactic? I say, but you know, he, he, he didn't lose him the fight or lose him the round even or anything. He ended up getting back up. But the biggest issue, I think, for Pedro in this fight, and credit to Jeremy on the other side of it, then was he just. It felt like he couldn't get anything at the end of his strikes. And what I mean by that is like, he never seemed to be in the right position to hit Jeremy and Jeremy was never in the right position to be hit by Pedro, if you get me. So credit to Jeremy on that and for, for uh, Pedro, did I call him Peter there? Pedro on the other side of it. Um, it was just a real kind of, it must have been so frustrating when you're in a fight like that where you you get the fight to the feet where you think like, this is where I'm going to win it. You can't get anything going there and then the fight gets to the ground. And Kennedy's just dominating you in every aspect of it there as well, which, you know, all, hasn't always been the case for Pedro. But look, it's it, it, was a, it was a very, very bad night for Pedro in terms of the fight itself. But he's still, he's, as I said, he's only 27 years of age. He'll be back again. It'll be another learning experience. He, the point in his game where, like, wrestling, you know, we always say it, in, in fights, that wrestling really changes a fight in terms of the striking. And when it changes it maybe so abruptly, like in a fight like this, you, it's something you have to learn and you have to adjust to. Because like he did get up and try to get his striking going, but he just couldn't. And I, th- like, I think that you have to find a way to draw a guy like Kennedy and you have to find a way to get your striking working. And to be safe as well against a a wrestle-heavy guy like that, and Pedro was not able to do that on Saturday night, and Kennedy was able to do everything he wanted in terms of the other side of it then. So, you know, back to the drawing board, I suppose, for Pedro on that side of it, for for Kennedy, he moves onwards and upwards. Scott Coker afterwards, he was very, very low on Kennedy versus Carvalho, or or versus uh, uh, Patricio, which... Seemed to everyone to make perfect sense considering you know the the Pico fight went the way it did, okay. But he's beaten Pedro here 19 and 3. But he said he wants the Kennedy versus Pico fight to happen again. Do they want to push Pico into that title fight? I think we all know the answer to that question (laughs) yeah so um, a bit unfair on Jeremy Kennedy I think so you
1: know damn you Kennedy beating all our Uh, guys how
0: dare you but uh, yeah uh, you know very good win for for Jeremy Kennedy Uh, Jeremy Um,
1: Kennedy you know he's cut from the UFC four wins one loss to Volkanovski and cut from the UFC so like you know not the he's best look that of poor lad, is it? Line, yeah, he? <laughs> yeah be, it, why don't people not like Jeremy Corbyn? Yeah, is <laughs> like ah fuck yeah. this guy basically,
0: and he's a great uh, nickname as well. G, G what is it? JBC Junior Bacon Cheeseburger because he used to eat nothing but Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers. He said he gave a great interview actually. If you haven't seen it, the uh, the pre-fight, he said. Uh, he got nutritionist when he was just an up-and-coming fighter and he said he changed from one burger giant to like Wendy's because he thought it would be better for him because they do a real salad and stuff like that when he was <laughs> when he was coming up so yeah and then after my own heart, Jeremy Kennedy so fair play did a very good one there uh, and in the main event this was you couldn't have asked for a more perfect week for Yaroslav Amasov. obviously you know he coming out of from fighting the war in Ukraine it was the one year anniversary he spoke about that you know, he spoke strongly anti Russia. You know, he's uh, you know he, he said what did he, what, what were the words he said about Putin? He was like evil Putin or something like that. Um the crowd when he came out got a massive reception. You know, we, I, I had uh, Philip O'Connor on uh, at the start of this, or geez, a year ago, now it's mad to think it's that long, but, you know, and we, we were kind of saying like the Irish people really have an affinity for people like Ukraine because we, we kind of understand it. Now, we personally don't, but like our very close ancestors do in terms of like we are you know, we were the, the Ukraine to, to Russia, uh, you know, as Ireland is to England, or that's may, maybe not necessarily, but that's, I think, how a lot of people might view it, and we understand them. I think we have uh, a soft spot, or maybe not everyone, but a lot of people in the country, and I think you could, by the reception that I've got, I think you could feel that. Now, there's probably a good few Ukrainians here as well, and maybe there's a few of them in the crowd as well, watching him. and I know myself and Andy were walking out afterwards, and Andy got a video of it, that uh, maybe 10, 15 uh, Ukrainian fans and, and young people as well that might not have be been able to even get in were waiting for Amasov afterwards and waited around for about an hour afterwards to greet him and that was absolutely lovely and in the middle of it all then he puts on one of the fucking best displays I've ever seen from a fighter in person uh mesmeric, I I would call it oh, right up there with Conor McGregor in terms of the best fighters I think to ever fight in Ireland. This guy is different level. I know people will say, oh you're forgetting Rich Franklin and Mark Coleman. I'm not. I'm not. Amasov is that good. He's 27 and oh and he fought Logan Storley before Went in a close fight with him. Logan Sorley could have won that fight. It was very close. And this time, Amasov absolutely destroyed him. You never hear judges saying, ah, oh, we had an easy night. But after that one, they were saying, oh, that was a pretty easy night, <laughs> you know? Five rounds... Amosav won every single one handily. There was no question on any of them. His hands looked so much better. His wrestling was better the first time uh, as well than than Storley's, but looked even a level ahead again this time. He just took him down whenever he wanted. He jabbed him up. He kicked him up. He boxed him up. This was an absolute destruction. Now, on, just on the other side, before we move back to Amosav again, because I know we don't speak too much about Storley, but Storley one of two things. He was either injured coming into this fight and struggled to get to the weight, or should be fighting at 155 because he didn't look like a guy that, and uh, you know, easy for me to say, I suppose, and who might talk, but seeing a lot of fighters and that the the weight that they're at or the, the shape that they're in in fights is a different level to what Logan Storley looked here. Like, he, he did. He looked like a 155er fighting on 170. He didn't look in the sort of shape you'd expect from a championship-level fight. Now, as I said, that might be an injury, and he did nothing but fucking suck water out of himself to make 170, and that could be it as well. I don't think he's always been like that before, but he you know, he didn't look in the, sh- the shape you'd expect out of a, a top-level uh, fighter uh, at that. But we, we will digress on that anyway, Graham. What did you think of, of Amosov here? It's, it's hard to not be impressed by him, not just in the fight, but all week as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He, he had a brilliant performance. He he really looked. Sometimes you see guys; they look into the zone. They really look like, you know, they're not going to be beaten uh, that night. And pretty much straight away, he he just started to do what he wanted, and he looked really in the zone. He looked flowy. He looked like he he just looked like he was going to dominate the fight, and he and he did. You know, yeah, Storley n- didn't really get anything going, as you said. He didn't look great. Maybe as he, maybe there was something going on. Maybe there was problems with the weight cut or an injury or something like that as, as you hinted at there or as you mentioned there <sighs> yeah i think uh, even if story had been at his, at his best he it would have been hard to look good here against amosov in in that mood in that form you know he he just dominated the fight you know the first one was a cl- close split decision that kind of the fight was taken over by story as it went on and you know those questions of oh, if it had been five rounds how would it have went but You know, they could have been fighting all night and, and Amosov would have dominated all night. It was, he was just a level above
0: absolutely brilliant uh, an absolute joy to watch and you know we were kind of giving out maybe about this not necessarily even giving out but kind of saying oh Jesus, an odd fight to put on here but do you know what i think a lot
1: no, I, I was actually always excited about it so oh, yeah? i was just wondering about how the crowd was going to react it was going to empty and it did a little it, did, it didn't not empty really, it not a, few, really. a few people left but there was really really good support yeah. more than i more than i expected 100%. And, I've, I've, you know the, the flight delivered so it, like the you you knew you were watching something good, so the people stuck around, even though, you know, if I thought it was always going to go to a dominant five-round decision, I thought maybe, oh, there might not be many people there when the the hand is raised at the end, but there definitely was.
0: Yeah, and of the the crowd that was there, I would say... 95, 99% of them actually stayed for the main event So there was no max exodus before the fight Now a little bit in the four round You know, when someone's four rounds up And we all know how it's going to end You know, Amosov is going to win A few did leave, but it, was, it not not anything abnormal or anything So, you know, that's why I think as well that There was a lot of the hardcores actually there In terms of the fans Because they wanted to see this fight And they stuck around for it And they were very, very, very respectful as well of Amasov and of Ukraine and all of that, so credit credit to the you know Irish fans and MMA fans and all you get a hard rap at times with the fans here yeah, from Phenomenal. from a Sean Sheehan. From, what, what did the well? Sorry, you gotta you gotta
1: apologise to the okay. Irish MMA fans for slagging them off.
0: Oh okay. The the fans D- D- that I was D- Dublin out of Dublin is the a, best. Let me
1: let me let me hear the Dublin's say it. the worst. The fans, the Dublin fans. The Dublin the fans
0: weren't there. It was all Drada, Wexford, <laughs> you know, the, Waterford. Was there any, Sinead, Sinead was there any dub? Sinead Cavanaugh was the only dub in this card, I'd say, was she? Who else? Jesus, do you know, there's very few dubs. Kenny. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Richie. Do you know what? Yeah. Richie Smullen's not from Dublin. Let's let's go through it, right? Scotizi, Italy. Kenny's from Dublin. Um Assel is from France. Derek is from Donegal. Richie Smullen from Wicklow. Brian Moore is from Wexford. Um, Charlie Ward is from the Midlands somewhere, isn't he? Carl Moore is from up the north. Karen Clark is from Drahada. Sinead is from Dublin. Okay. Aquili is from Waterford. Uh, Carvalho, Dublin slash uh, Portugal. Yeah, so there's only like two Dubs in the whole card Maybe that's it.
1: Ah, uh, but they're all they're all adopted Dubs. Yeah, you know?
0: no, that's it. No, no dubs Part up. of the, part of the I... Dub family. Sean, you know, Sean When Craig. you're when
1: you're adopted, you you get treated like any other. Am I an uh, adopted daughter.
0: Dub? So I'm, sure I'm fucking above in Dublin more than most.
1: No, you're, you're you're hated with a hated
0: fierce fashion <laughs> by the Dubs, but yeah. So that was it. Um, you know, all in all, you know. Br- I would say an unmissable main event performance by Amosov. So, uh, and and other than that, maybe like a and. A fair to Midland card I would say not a bad card it definitely wasn't a bad card definitely wasn't a great card very good to see the up and coming prospects though it yeah,
1: was the,
0: that, that was the, the highlight for Ireland I suppose but the Sinead win was a big highlight for Ireland the Carl and Brian Moore wins were big highlights as well for them as they move on as well as you know the up and comers like Kieran uh, Brian Moore Richie or sorry uh, not Brian Moore Richie Smullen you could throw him in there as well and uh, Dara um, and, uh, and Kenny as well so very good and you know to see I think I think a lot of people as we said in the future oh, I saw Norbert fighting live I saw myself fighting live even Kennedy if he's fighting for a title so yeah all in all a, a, a pretty good night Right, we're an hour and a half when We better fucking move on and talk a little bit about UFC two eighty five. We won't stick in this forever because there's a, a preview coming out this week. The lads, I don't know if I'll be joining them or not. I probably will. But uh, we're going to take a look just at the top two fights here. Just but before, Ian just before Gary, you go, go on.
1: Just, to the listeners, how many people know that uh, <laughs> Ian Gary's fighting uh, this week?
0: Yeah, I would say uh, very few. <laughs> you probably forget now. Maybe during the week it'll grow a bit, but um. Yeah, look, Bellator Dublin probably didn't help, but there was a recent one as well where Ian was fighting around the Bellator card and a lot of people were talking about him. Not this time, though, and I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that he's not in Ireland or, you know, not really doing Irish interviews and things like that as much as, as he once was or whatever it might be. um, Yeah, definitely flying under I the radar. They
1: need to, you know, obviously fighting in America is great and all, but they need to put him on a European card where yeah. fans can get a chance to go over and kind of bond with Ian Gary, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I think the, like, latching on to McGregor stuff really hasn't worked either. I think that's actually put a lot of people off maybe a little bit. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how this, but look, because well, like he puts out a big performance.
1: telling the part of the story about how he kind of got into MMA and, you know, yeah, he he shouldn't shy away from that, but I think you know, the fans and people like that are going to obviously associate any Irish fighter with McGregor. Like we always see, every time an Irish fighter kind of comes to prominence, everybody's yeah. talking about McGregor in the same breath.
0: But he also used to be like the anti spg guy and in you know Team KF So and I think the Irish fans kind of know that. So I just feel, felt all a little bit contrived to, to, for want of a better word maybe but as I said he's 10-0 and he wins another one here gets a big finish here and that's all fucking forgotten about again and look Ian has the ability, he's an absolutely fantastic fighter a fantastic up-and-coming prospect and I said it recently, you know, after maybe his first or second UFC fight that it's actually, do you know what, it's maybe no harm he's fighting under radar a little bit coming in here or has even a little bit recently go in there, prepare for your fights, train hard as I'm sure he has been you know, he's a new family, he's only after getting married he's only after having a baby and all of that you know, take your time, you're only young you're only 10 fights into your career go in here against Keenan Song, get another win and you're moving on up and you know in 6 yeah. months, in a year's time we can start getting hyped about it again so maybe maybe it's no yeah. harm.
1: No I like the matchup but I just think it would be if they could get him on just a European card or even you know just get a bit more hype on him make it a little bit more content behind him the UFC could put out a couple of videos or Hopefully, you know he'll be on like Ariel Show or something like that uh, this week, and you know get a bit get a bit of hype going because he deserves it. He's like a really, really good prospect, a huge prospect. Like this is this is a good fight for him to go out and you know showcase his his abilities. Like this guy, Keenan Song, when when he wins, he wins by finish, and he he has he has power and he, he can finish people. So you you got to be wary. It's not a walkover, but it's a, should be a nice fight for Ian to kind of showcase his heels again and get more comfortable, and you know. Hopefully he's been, uh, you know, developing the gym like we've seen fight to fight in the past. There's no reason to think not. Obviously he's, you know, a lot going on with personal personal life, but I'm I'm sure he's still in the gym. We haven't heard anything that he isn't, or well, I haven't anyway. Um, so yeah, I expect him to go in, go in there and win and, and look good here. But uh, I I w- I wish there was a bit more hype behind it because I think he deserves it. He, you know, maybe inter- people don't like certain things about maybe his personal decisions. But in terms of fighting and things like that, you know, I think he deserves more hype and more respect. And uh, hopefully, you know, he can go out there look good and kind of build that up. And hopefully, you know, pre-fight uh, or um, fight week, we'll, uh, we'll see some more of Ian and get some more insights into what's been going on and build the hype that way. But, you know, this is a, a card with, you know, uh, big fights on it and he's kind of, you know, buried on the prelim. So maybe maybe that won't happen. But, yeah i think um you know he's been a little bit forgotten about but undeservedly but maybe that's because he's you know over in america and he hasn't really been been doing much it's, there's a lot going on in terms of like the bellator event that just happened and stuff in ireland so yeah i think um ian's gonna go in there and and you know maybe have to be careful early but i think he should you know have enough uh to to look good here and to you know, come out unscathed, unscathed and if he wants, hop back in there maybe quickly, you know. Uh, staying active I think is important when you're when you're a young fighter developing in your, in your career and, you know, getting a win against Keenan Song would be a good win but it's not going to push you into a place where the UFC are going to be matching you against top 15 guys already so I think the matchmaking is good and it's uh, it's Ian's fight to go out and, and look good and hopefully he does and, you know, the the fan base kind of wakes up again.
0: Yeah, 100% It's a very winnable fight for him You know, as you said Keenan's a good fighter But, you know, he lost Alex Moron Finished by Mac Griffin Finished by Brad Riddell uh, Fought Israel Adesanya back in the day Funnily enough So uh, And got knocked out by him as well So I think Yeah, I, I think Keenan probably be looking for the finish here And uh, it could be another uh, chance to impress So it'll be all hype next week you know and uh, as I said things quickly change like that that you'd nearly forget about him this week and it'll probably be all talk next week so you know and I hope it is that'll be it'll be very good um,
1: well, why, why, but why do you think it is that it's like the hype is kind of cool so much I uh, uh, do
0: you know what I, hmm, it, I I don't think the hype is cool necessarily but like there was a lot of hype for, Oh Gary's up and come a guy He's up and come a guy He needs to get into the UFC He needs to get into the UFC He needs to fight for Cage or something. did that Got into the UFC And then it changed Because I remember talking Directly after that fight A lot of people were talking Like oh, they have seen Gary He's the only all fucking hype He's not going to be The next McGregor And all this I'm like Ian Garry was like fucking 7-8 fights into his career at that stage he goes in and he's won and looked good in all of his fights so far Again, not, he hasn't looked like an absolute killer in every single moment of every fight but there hasn't been one part of any fight where I've been kind of worried or he's either not getting experience or not being good but like sometimes people the expectations are just weird or like the at the, one, uh, one stage you're the guy that everyone's kind of getting kind behind of come, come back to me
1: when he's fighting for a title yeah come exactly back to me when, yeah. Yeah.
0: We, were, we were all shooting for something we were all shooting for Ian Gary to get into the UFC next thing he gets into the UFC and I'm like oh well surely, what's he doing now like <laughs> it's like, calm down we need to and Ian Gary I've spoken to him loads of times in the past and he said this himself he's talked about years in terms of improvements years in terms of getting to the, the, the rankings years in terms of getting to title shots and like some people aren't that patient in terms of the fans waiting for it or, and, and you know what there's there's no harm in that either I don't think if it was just hype 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 all the time that's the type of thing that fucking gets in your head, and not even just gets in your head, but it it could drag you down. And in, in terms of so much pressure well on it, like yeah, it's no harm. Go in there, prepare for the fight, have a fight, and that's it. And uh, yeah, I, I do agree with you. i lo- like, why aren't the UFC coming back to Ireland? Uh, no, I have enough fucking hotels to pay for. But you get me, like they, it's ridiculous that they haven't got an Irish card coming back. But we'll uh, we'll see how that goes anyway. But look, as I said. <laughs> The aftermath will be bigger than than the than the, the before as I think some articles are are being called now. J- there's a couple of things where I'm just an undercard before we move to the top. Uh, like grabs above is, is on this card. Um, and I've covered a lot of PFL over the last couple of years. He was a very good fighter in PFL. You know, only lost to kind of their big guys there. He's 21 fights in. And he's only lost four of them, so he's a good fighter. Fahid Basharat is also on this card as well. One of the best up and comers uh, out of. Um, he was in London shoot, I think. I think he's over in Vegas or somewhere now, but very, very, very good fighter at uh, at 9-0. And then there's lots of other stuff uh, as well uh, on this card. Paul Nickel, one of the top prospects in the world at 3-0. He's on it. Gamrod against Jalen Turner. is a fucking brilliant fight. Shavkat against Jeff Neal. Jesus Christ, this card is... This is a legitimately brilliant card. Even Cody Garbrandt is, is fighting for his... Uh, probably his job on this card. But the top two then... £125 title, Valentina Shashinko against Alexa Grasso and John Jones against Cyril Gagne, the return of John Jones. I never thought I'd see the day, but he's back. Um, Let's talk quickly about Valentina versus Alexa Grasso first. Look for Alexa here, I think... The the problem for Alexa Grasso is her best route to winning most fights is like her jab, her good technical striking, and you know she's a few submissions I suppose on the ground and not bad. But you're fighting someone like Valentina Shevchenko here who is gonna hit harder than you. Her style of muay thai is very hard for a boxing style to deal with. Plus, she's really strong in the clinch, has big throws, can put you on your your ass. Your grass, your I don't know, and uh, and beat you when when you get there as well. Now, recent fights, Valentina hasn't been the Valentina of old, and maybe grass. will complain to it, and it'll. Do you know what? I think Valentina will win, but it'll probably be a closer fight than people think. But it's the, the the only thing as well. The motivation here for Valentina, where are those levels at? Like, there's a lot of talk about uh, having the Amanda fight again. Alexa's probably the last of like the. The, the the contenders that we don't think have a good chance, let's say if Blanchfield is in there, Firo, I think they have more of a chance, if you get me, in terms of people's minds, if not in, in actuality, uh, if we see Shevchenko at the top. So could that be a potential banana skin for Shevchenko? I'm maybe kind of looking for reasons there this should be a straightforward enough Shinko win here. Even though I like Alexa Grass, I think she's a very good fighter. I think,
1: it, I think it is Valentina's kind of fight to lose, but maybe there is a motivation there. Maybe she, you know, I think you're right. Even though she's been winning, she's still been winning. She hasn't looked as good uh, recently. She, you know, obviously Talia Santos was a split decision, but I, th- I thought she won the fight. But yeah, she d- definitely hasn't looked like the killer that we, we, we kind of got used to her looking like um, over the years. So, uh, it's a big moment for Alexa. Alexa, Alexa Grasso it's, it's, you know, she's worked a long time for this, and she'll definitely be motivated. So maybe that could play into it. But I just, yeah, I just think it's a bad style matchup. She's probably a little, a li- uh, Valentina's probably just a little bit better everywhere, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, um, you know, you could land something big early, or you know, something could happen, and she, uh, she could win this. So I wouldn't be too surprised. But um, yeah, I think the, the pick is definitely uh, Valentina.
0: I think the strength and the clinch will be a big part of this and the clinch as well in the middle of the cage that Valentina is so good at. Grasso gets caught in that position an awful lot in her fights and usually doesn't do too bad but against Valentina it's a different story there and I think that might play a big part uh, in it as well and Valentina will get into that position, I think, against Alexa because she likes to fight longer and Valentina likes to get inside and kind of whip inside. And if you're fighting against someone longer like that, there will be tie-ups in the middle. And if you get tied up against Valentina, it's an underrated part of her game. But her trips, her clinches, her slams are elite. And against someone like Grasso, I think who Valentina is a better athlete than and that strength battle in there will... In my opinion, play a big factor if it does go there, and it seems to me like it will. So, yeah, uh, as I said, I do think Grasso will do a little bit better than, than maybe a lot of people give her credit for. But uh, I think it'll be Shashinka in the end. Um, and then John Jones versus Ganya It's been God. It feels like it's been forever since we've uh, we've seen John Jones fight. His last fight was that disappointing display against Dominic Reyes. Um, the se- uh, twenty twenty the eight of the second twenty
1: twenty. I think his last last three fights were
0: quite they disappointing. Were. Well the, the the Smith one wasn't really. He could have lost it because of that illegal blow, wasn't he? But he could've he kind of destroyed Smith from from what I believe. But yeah, the Santos one wasn't great. The Reyes one wasn't great. And he's fine now against Cyril Gagne. I was talking to I, I, I actually I heard a few fans asking Eugene Berman who they think would win, and, and he said Cyril Gagne, so maybe he'd know better than me. Um I, 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 one part I would short at this Graham and not to bring judging into everything again as well but let's say this is the five round technical fight that I think maybe a lot of people are expecting I wonder we, I, I, we've seen the last two John Jones fights they were closer than, than anyone's before I wonder with the fact that John Jones is more kind of a point fighting fighter and likes to kind of touch you up and add up his numbers and you know, according to his tweets really doesn't understand how fights are judged I wonder, does that fight really play against John Jones if Gagne is landing a bit harder and the shots that Ganya does land, even let's say we come to the end of the night and it's 100 strikes landed from John Jones and 77 from Ganya, but Gagne has landed the 12 or 13 harder shots that John Jones never landed throughout the fight and Gagne ind- ends up winning, and John Jones like, well, what are you talking about? And people are tweeting pictures of the numbers. It feels like one of those fights for me. It really does. And, you know, we always seem to always get them him in the big pay-per-views, you know, where people are giving out about the judging and everything, but that's the fight I envision here, to be honest. what, what fight? What's the fight you envision?
1: Yeah, I, he could be right, but, you know, John Jones has been out a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? A long time. Three years, more than three years since that, moving up 20, or moving up from 205 to you know, fighting guys that are walking in there 20, 30 pounds heavier than them, at least, probably. You know, uh, yeah. it's hard to know what John, John Jones is going to look like. You know, I, was he that motivated going into his last couple of fights? Uh, I probably don't think so. Is he motivated going into this one? Who knows? With John Jones, you just don't know what's going on. Um, He could be out partying. He could be, you know, who knows? Nobody knows what John Jones is doing. He could be doing mad shit. Um, you know he said himself in the past that kind of he likes to give himself an out Um, if he loses I was, I was out partying the week before so that's why I lost you know kind of thing like that and if hopefully he's not doing that hopefully he's zoned in here because this could be a, a you know this could be a defining moment or defining win for an already amazing career if he goes in there and looks like the John Jones that you know everybody knows he has the potential to be but maybe recently hasn't lived up to or hasn't produced and you know he's coming in there against a really technical guy who's and you know not going to make it easy for him so John Jones is going to have to be on his game here to 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 win I think you know I think if if he's if he's not on it I think zero uh, will be able to you know uh eke out enough rounds to win it but with John Jones you know he's so He's so unbelievably talented and, and his body is perfect for MMA and he's he's just so naturally gifted on top of being a ridiculous athlete and having like a lot of advantages uh, that other people don't have. But, you know, Cyril has a lot of advantages as well. So this is just a, for me, it's a, it's a, so intriguing and I can't wait for it. And I, and I, I actually don't know how it's going to look. And I think a lot depends on Jon Jones, uh, how this is going to look.
0: Here's a question for you Graham, right what has been the biggest no, let's say new shot that has come into MMA in the last 3 years like what what uh what technique shot the arm, like, No no what technique shot. Oh okay
1: uh, the calf kick there you go
0: I just wonder John wondered. Jones has no calves uh, yeah that's true you, you <laughs> what are you going <laughs> to
1: kick what are you going to kick Run
0: there just kick him bone I wonder if Ganya's is just going to kick the shit out of his calves because I think he can do that as well Like, and John Jones will have never seen that before really because and I was, I was talking to someone the other day as well about it and they were like saying John Jones has always struggled against taller guys whether it's Reyes or Gustafsson the first time and somewhat the second time not, not as much the second time but uh, i just i just wonder if that'll be an issue and that's a way to play a longer game again that really didn't exist as much the last time john jones fought so
1: i wonder yeah. i just wonder uh, john, if that plays a part uh, john jones will probably be hunting for those oblique kicks that he uses so well as well though and like you know
0: can yeah. fights an outside game as well he's not only a long, longer guy and a bigger guy he fought, fights a very big long game very, it's a fucking a very intriguing. Fight. But then again, right, John Jones is one of the smartest fighters ever fighting the UFC. Now, maybe not in judging him, maybe not fucking outside the cage and all of that, but inside the cage, he is a really smart guy. And
1: to it, think, it, it, I know what you mean in a way, know. but in another way, he tries to fight to <laughs> the kind of strength. He of does, yeah. The realm, and if he does that here. He can't He just can't do that here but what He if has he, to fight to his friends
0: If he does that here And beats Ganya Doing that like, But, I, but to do that no, That would
1: be an absolutely Miraculous That would be the yeah. biggest Statement win of his career And it an was. already Unbelievable career
0: So what do you think He needs to do Wrestle him? Take him down?
1: I think he needs to do everything I think Yeah I think he needs to He needs to make Cyril uncomfortable And put him in places He's never been before And you know Just uh, You know Um just make it make it difficult and um you know, obviously point fighting is a bit of a you said that some something to that effect earlier. I don't think that's what John Jones is doing. I think John Jones's strikes have a lot of impact, even even when he is kind of just just throwing it out there without without full force. We've seen we've seen the damage he can do. Um, you know, but Cyril's been in there against some serious hitters and he he's he's used to taking that pair, so that's gonna play into it as well. Like will John Jones will John Jones' shots have the same have the same uh impact that they that they've been having throughout his career you know he's fought a lot of guys that are blowing up 180 fibers and 205 fibers and things like that and Ale- alexander Gustafsson's um reach and height and stuff was was similar to jones's and you know he struggled in the first fight there uh in the early rounds anyway so yeah i think um i don't know there's just so many questions in my mind about how this is going to go and you know uh in, in a way i'd love to see john jones kind of go out there and and win impressively just to kind of fulfill his ridiculous potential. Because even though he's got some ridiculous accolades and like the way he destroyed Shogun and his reign and and the Cormier wins, even though there's like, you know, asterisk around one of them and stuff or uh, all that stuff, whatever. But to fulfill, even though he's done all that stuff, he hasn't, in my opinion, fulfilled the potential. Like I remember watching him coming up and, you know, uh, very early in his career and just being like, this guy is just, this is a new type of of guy he's just he's going to be unstoppable and he should have been and uh, he kind of got in his own way as uh as people kind of predicted the only thing that was going to stop john jones was john jones and it it would be nice in a way even though all the you know a lot of people have a lot of uh, put a lot of weight into the outside of the cage stuff like i kind of obviously we talk about that stuff but i'm a lot of the time i'm just looking at the fighter and and uh, Analyzing it from that standpoint, and I'd love to see him go out there and, you know, fulfill his potential and just look amazing and win. But you know, it's it, it is a really big ask. Like this is more than three years out. <laughs> like this is a big ask uh, moving up against such a big yeah. technical guy. Like this is the most technical guy in the heavyweight division, maybe ever.
0: It's there's so many there's so many different integers to in this, is there? Even just like the fact that. A lot of new fans were created during the pandemic that have never seen John Jones fight live. Like, I'm sure they've gone back and watched these fights. And I I think there was like a lot of people who don't actually appreciate how good John Jones was. And maybe when, or maybe only saw his last two fights live and don't appreciate how good John Jones was. And it's interesting. Maybe he won't be that guy again. Maybe he won't be the dominant force he once was. And maybe we are looking to, you know two rows tinted glass in terms of a fighter we know what John Jones is like outside of the cage and all of that and you know the whole drug uh, issues and, and all of that sort of stuff but if he comes back and he's at his best we, we're in for a massive fighter and just one part as well you know the Inganu fight where he took Silganu down a few times um, he kind of caught you unawares in that fight because we all expected it to be a, bo- a fucking boxing match, kickboxing match and in Ninganya, you know, NCAA Nganu, I was calling him after that, he will be expecting John Jones to try to take him down. Even if he doesn't, he would be prepared for it. And I think it leads to a lif- different sort of fight. Now, will he be able to stop it if he tries? Who knows? That's that's a different question. But I don't think he'd be caught unawares in this fight and will fight to not be taken down. So it's going to be a little bit tougher on John Jones, even though Jones is a better wrestler. So, look, if he can get it going and he does get Gagne down over and over, he will probably more than likely win the fight, but I want to see this as a technical striking matchup, because that's, to me, look, I've said it before, it's the fight I want to see more than any other fight in MMA, it's this one, this is it, this is for me, you know, when uh, <laughs> when all is said and done, this is the one you want to be standing there at fucking six o'clock in the morning, waiting on to to for the two of them to get into the cage. It's just a fucking, it's a massive, massive, massive fight, and I absolutely, I absolutely can't wait for it. So um. Yeah, we will uh we will look forward to that. One last thing before we go Graham and I usually wouldn't bring this up because we don't talk about this goon but he's uh he signed with PFL now and it's Jake Paul. Um and he lost to uh Tommy Fury in a boxing bout and uh, so I don't know if you watch. did you watch it Graham did you see it?
1: yeah i actually did i wasn't planning on watching it but uh, a friend of mine messaged to asking for a stream and i i got a stream from him and just kind of threw it on in the background and ended up uh, it ended up taking ages <laughs> but uh, ended up watching it and uh yeah, uh, it was uh, Paul was extremely sloppy. Yeah. Like, very bad. Uh, I, don't I don't know. Mean, the like, commentator, I, just, I was actually laughing my head off at the were, commentator. They just, Trying to pretend like this was some kind of... Yeah, fucking, <laughs> like it was, oh, boring, I was just, you know? It was just funny to me, the whole thing. And they were interviewing... Um, they were interviewing Logan Paul. Um, oh, that was one of uh, the funniest things I've ever. And seen your in man life. was like, "What did he? Uh, I love your bro. He say to your brother before he went out there, and he's like, oh "You could do it, bro. I believe in you. I love you, bro." And your man's like, "I love you too." He's like, what? I literally, I just my I literally, head literally pissed oh my myself laughing. It <laughs> was
0: so fucking funny. What was that, that as a Radio Raheem or something? He kept signing I don't off saying, "I'm so Radio Rahim or something oh like god,
1: that. Oh, awful. terrible!
0: Yeah, the whole production around it. it no, be, it was just awful. They go
1: back to like Carl Frost. He's just like, "Oh my god, I got like this wasn't trash." Like. Did he? Oh. You can see him struggling to like. Oh, fucking, fuck. So you were uh, watching.
0: You were, uh, so I flew to Canada and I watched it on Fight TV for mine, and it was the American commentators, and they acted like they acted like this was fucking Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo or something. They acted like it was one of the best boxing matches I've ever. Seen. We have to get the rematch. This was so good. <laughs> they showed what boxing is all like, about. They were I mean, like uh,
1: on the BT, BT. They were basically <laughs> like, should Tommy Fury go try to win like an area title or should he like get loads of money to like? KSI and Carl Rogers like, yeah, well, like if they offered me half a million to fight KSI like when I was in, instead of fighting for like 10 grand to fight an area title like uh, you know it's a hard yeah. it <laughs> it's was, a
0: hard choice it was but, like, it was horrendous like Tommy Tommy Fury like was as his father described him a novice boxer <laughs> which I thought was, and he is like a novice boxer at all. but for your father to say that was funny and like he destroyed him like he won six rounds to two and there was points taken away and stuff and Jake kind of Jake knocked him down to be fair he, he didn't knock
1: him down I don't know what he was trying <laughs> he to do like, there. Oh, fuck you <laughs> <hit me." laughs> I think because Jake swang so wildly and missed so uh, yeah. madly he just kind of stood there going yeah, like, what like, the what fuck? The and then the fuck? He got hit with <laughs> the jab as he was kind of like I don't know what he was trying to do but yeah, yeah it was a very very poor standard uh, I don't know how boxing scored or whatever I don't know the criteria even but uh Yeah, uh, (laughs) I just talked, Jake looked terrible. He looked really tired and desperate really early. And he was holding on and the ref was just a disgrace. He like, it was like a tap to the back of the head and he took like a point. And then there was like a, a... (laughs) <laughs> Jake Paul kept uh, grappling and then he took a point from Tommy Fury for like doing a tiny bit of grappling back it was just like yeah. oh my god what's it, Jake looked here?
0: like he was going to vomit when he was walking out as well I've never seen anyone in my life look as nervous walking out the fight but anyway we I actually don't care about the fight what I do care about is he signed with PFL and he's on about fucking fighting Nate Diaz in in PFL and in board boxing and um a boxing one fight and then MMA and the other fight and all this like as Ariel said kind of tweeting last night that that fight is dead now and um I don't know what PFL are going to do with him like like he's a busted flush in terms of a draw so Dana why talking about it yesterday Matt, Matt, decision he
1: knocked him down if it was, if it was 12 was rounds he decision. had him he had him
0: <laughs> how, was that, how was that a fucking Smith decision he just he like just decimated him like it was easy for Tommy Fury but anyway um well, Tommy Fury resurrected himself <laughs> in the canvas like, the internet, yeah. <laughs> like his brother yeah but you see um Dana White was saying that Steve. he made a great point actually because he was saying Steven Espinoza would never have let Jake Paul go if he was making money for him which is like if Dana White knows anything it's how to fucking make money off of fighters so I would think he's actually right on that one well, so it, it
1: like, depends how much uh, the yeah. old uh, offering. well
0: that's it but like Why would PFL do that with him? Like, why would PFL... um, And now PFL are fucking hemorrhaging money all over the place as well by the looks of it. But, like, why would they do that with Jake Paul? What what are they going to do? Like, they do him versus Nathan Diaz, and that's just going to... like, that's just going to bomb, like, or they're going to... And it mightn't even bomb, but they're just going to put a load of money into it and not make it back, and I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Uh, I'd say it would do really well on a legal stream. Like
0: yeah, very well. But what's Nathan going to do now? Like, if that fight doesn't happen, where's he going to go? Like, I don't think the UFC will want him back. Where the fuck is he going to... Like, he could end up fighting Anthony Pettis in BFL and in that pay-per-view show they've coming up, or could he end up in fucking Bellator or somewhere and retire? I know what he's going to do. Like, this is an, a- an absolute fucking abomination for Nathan Diaz. It's... Not a great night for him. And like this whole... Look, as a draw, Jake Paul was over as a busted flush in his last couple of of bouts. I think this one probably did a little bit better because Tommy Fury has like the Love Island thing behind him as well. But then Tommy just beat him. And Tommy's like, according to his own family, a fucking average boxer. Uh, It's just... It's, it's. This is just the end of it. Like, it's, I. I wouldn't be so. Like, Jake Paul is no idiot as well. He's a. He's a prick and all of that. But he's a, a smart young lad. Make no mistake about that. I think he's going to retire. Like, I would be surprised if I saw him boxing again because he knows now he's not going to be good enough. He's just going to find something else and move on. Like, is he going to fight them? Like, I never. I and anyone we listen. Oh, I to don't know, that, man.
1: Fighters like boxers are probably similar to fighters. They probably have this, like, you know ridiculous belief in their ability these other options beyond beyond what they what they are and he probably has a lot of people around him that will you know want to keep the, the oh, everyone wants to go
0: that's what i was thinking with the commentators last night and all they're like oh they're just trying to fucking get he's probably getting paid three times as much to do a jake paul fight than anything else they want to keep this fucking train of flowing but like i don't think he's that stupid i really don't and like if you went in there an MMA fight he's gonna get lashed out of it like I talked to Will Flory about it they're around the same way and imagine what he'd do to him like just fucking destroy him like he's, ne- he's just gonna get he's what never gonna fight what about
1: that lad anyone. they found on the street that um, had a gym fight with CM Punk in that documentary <laughs> put, lad, put him in there against the CM street. Punk unnamed lad from the street remember <laughs> yeah is CM Punk is available now I think Isn't he possibly available put him in there against CM Punk was well, he like 10 time champion of the world or something
0: come yeah. on make it happen <laughs> The cult of personality
1: Yeah I don't really care about any of it anyway No I honest. don't either Fuck him
0: But like the only thing I do the, This whole PFL thing It's just I wonder what happens I literally wouldn't have brought it up Only for the PFL part of it So And the Nathan yeah, Diaz you should, part you should it,
1: have so. just done the, the Diaz Boxing match first Would have been Yeah you know, A fight that he could have lost And it would have been like Oh well it's Nate Diaz Like you know uh, yeah. Good boxer And then he could have done the Fury one afterwards Yeah Interesting um, but like whatever, like
0: whatever, yeah, who, whatever, cares. who cares? Who cares? Who gives a fuck?
1: Yeah, I mean, like indeed. it was a, like it was an appalling standard. I saw some people on oh, Twitter <laughs> being like, that. "Oh, that was a great, that was a great fight." It was like that was absolutely not in any way. Well,
0: it was atrocious. It was really atrocious. But um, yeah, we will uh, we will leave it there. This might be our longest podcast since the fucking McGahn days, and nearly coming up on two hours here. So, um, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, there was KSW as well last week. Phil the Freeze uh, retained his title. Very very good. Uh, there's PFL Challenger Series next week Cage Warriors next week as well I know, uh, is Nathan Kelly on next week or is he the week after? He is next week, oh Nathan Kelly's fighting next week as well Graham, he's fighting Zachary Hicks In the uh, in the Challenger Series That's on, on the 3rd of March So in what, uh, 4 or 5 days From now as well So best of luck to, to Nathan in that He's been on a grey run, looked really really good In his last uh, his last few fights You know um, was Obviously he had one in, in PFL But he fought in Centurion before that in, in one fight in Bellator and won a good few fights in over in, uh, in Clan Wars there after losing the first two fights in his career. So um, big uh, big shout out to Nathan Kelly as well and best of luck to him in uh, over in the, the challenger series in uh, in PFL. So um, yeah, we will uh, we will leave it at that. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks for all the support this week. It's been absolutely fucking massive. Uh, our YouTube got demonetized as well. So all the views were for fucking nothing in the end. But if you want to support us, we're on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Uh There will be loads of stuff out this week and every week. Um, You can still subscribe to our YouTube. You can follow Graham at, Severame, at Pod here. And if you're listening to this, don't be a fucking freeloader. Click subscribe. It's free it's free subscribe spotify itunes um Sa- Podcast YouTube. Republic, youtube the whole lot of that click subscribe let us know tweet it out tweet out the podcast as well tell people you're listening let us know what part is your favorite tweet graham tweet me at sean gmba put up on facebook instagram tag us in your stories we'll share it at severe what is it severe let them know let them know Right as I said as well. Thanks everyone. We met all week. A lot of great fans around the place. You we were fucking legends. I appreciate the support. I know Graham does too. Andy did an absolutely fantastic job all week. Shout out to him. Shout out to Ian, Harry, and all the boys from at home as well who did an outstanding job. Ian working like a Trojan as always at home to get everything posted for everyone out there as well. So a great team effort and Spencer and Jakey and the whole lot as well. So um, fair play to uh, to everyone uh, in the Severe May team and for everyone at home supporting us too. Graham. Give us your quote of the week before we go.
1: There were bad times on Maudlin Street. They took you away in a police car. Inspector, don't you know? Don't you care? Don't you know about love? We'll see you next Tuesday, probably Sunday, hopefully this week.